Bagel, Yato. did you finish? Finish. You got something on yes, your earlobe. You got something hanging yeah, on your earlobe. Bagel, yeah, you've got that little droplet hanging on your beardy. Hey there! Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage. In said with confidence and honesty, sunny Santa Cruz, California. Yes, finally. <laughs> finally. Uh, hey, everyone. This is Liza, and uh, I'm, 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 I'm hoping we're done with the rain. I'm not, that, wait, 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 wait a minute. Was don't that, jinx I, it. I, 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 I'm hoping we're done with the rain. I'm hoping we're done with the rain. I'm not used to that level of excitement from you, Liza. You normally, you know, you're just like very mellow about, but you sounded excited about the end of the rain. Did you see the videos of Tahoe? The houses in Tahoe? Oh, yeah. Too. Where they're like cleaving the snow off the roofs and it's like like eight foot just chunk, like whale blubber. It's a trip. But here's the thing. <laughs> We've spent years bragging about how good our weather is. Nobody wants to hear us <laughs> complain. No, about that's right. no, they don't. Or maybe they do. I don't know. Um but hey, we're getting back to normal. Oh, that's good. Define normal. Sun and riding <laughs> weather all the time. Yes. But let's get to who is here in the studio with me. Of course, that is the dulcet tones of Miss Emma. Hello, darlings. I am always so thrilled to be here talking to you all. And here I am. Tra-la-la. You look all slutty in your Harley, your Harley shirt with your boobs popping out. You what know, are you doing over this? Is it because Mason's next to you? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, look at you, you. Come on, have some respect. No, I just got back from Reno. Oh, that explains. I got mine. And you know, I realized. So I'm sitting. In, you look like Reno. I am. Right now, I am actually. sitting in Calneva eating two dollar ninety nine ham and eggs in 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 the Calneva playing, restaurant playing Kino. And I realized I had just have no class whatsoever <laughs> and in fact mccarthy who was with me commented at the same time said we are just so classy right now but um, i don't yeah. even want to know what you were doing in reno yes it was not good but going over the donna pass either side all praise to caltrans i didn't have to chain the road was clear but you talk about snowdrifts, 12 to 15 feet either yeah. side of the road it's like going down. Wow. Going down the tunnel. It was crazy. Yeah, most snowfall ever. Most snowfall ever. Yep. Also joining yeah. us tonight on the Classic Girl Couch tonight for the first time. And, and it's been a long time I've been trying to get him here. Mm. We got Mason. Howdy, folks. I'm Mason George, and I'm addicted to motorcycles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hello, Mason. Uh, but Hello, are you We're me? addicted to... <laughs> yeah. As I like to say, hi, One my name is time. Liza, yeah. and I am a motosexual. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not looking for the cure, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, going around the room, that's the deep tones of Naked Jim. Hey, peace, love, and dirt bikes. Nice to be back. Been a while since I've been here. Last mm -hmm. time I... Stuck my head and I was covered in bugs, I think, <laughs> from the San Diego run. Speaking of covered in bugs, coming to us from Oregon, it's Bagel. Uh, howdy from uh, hail-covered Oregon, actually. <laughs> Is that <laughs> all, getting... all hail, Oregon? Or, uh, wet? No, What's just, the well, it's been hail and wet and wind and sun, and it's crazy. It's just, you know, wait a minute, it'll change. <laughs> how, how are the horses at the bottom of your garden, Bagel? 
oh, they're they're hanging out, you know, fr- frolicking in the fields. Okay. Doing what they do. Okay, yeah. very good. Very Carry on, man. So, um, yeah, it's it's the first weekend in a long time that the weather was good. People were out. I wanted to go riding yesterday, but I couldn't. Why not? Wah, wah. Well, I got a call from our friends over at Gilroy Power Sports, and we like uh, those guys. Somebody had um, had died, uh, not on a motorcycle, but had died, and their family was cleaning out and brought all of this person's gear over to Gilroy, and they didn't want it, but they knew that we'd taken gear, so they called me, and it was a no-joke truckload of Arai helmets and Daytona boots and uh, nice gloves and, like, six, there were, like, six of the, like... Uh, a moto motoport. Uh, I was or, trying to think what are they called the the onesie. The yeah, onesie the onesies suits. like really yeah, nice, really nice bunch stuff. Of them, like yeah, very so well used to. I had to go take the car and go over there, but I got to go visit our friends at Gilroy, and I almost I came this close to impulse buying something there. Oh, you should have. Oh, and it's scary when you're like I could just throw that on my credit card, like you know it's not that big of a deal. And I, I was in the mood, and I looked up and down. Was it the one down. you've been threatening? Well, I'll give you a clue. There's a model of it in this room. <laughs> that narrows it down. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one that's been kind of on my, I'm curious about this New list. or used. Brand new. Brand new. So KTM? No. Oh, see. Japanese? Oh, I know what you, I know. ADV Honda? scooter. That is correct. Uh-huh. They have an ADV 150 scooter there. Awesome. Wow. And it has been on my, I'm curious, I'm I'm curious about this. It was like like four grand, something like that? Yeah, well, it was like five out the door okay, with everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh. What's up? Oh, I mean, why I, not? I have yet to see one in the flesh. I mean, I really should toddle down to Monterey Peninsula Pass. They had one in red, just like that. Yeah. And I mean, what do they look white. like in the flesh? Just like that. Chunky, chunky. It looks like it want, makes you want to do stupid things. And, you know, I'm fond of bikes <laughs> that make you want to do a stupid thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. How, how big are the wheels? They're, I mean, they're not big. Inch? Yeah, I think inch? they're 12. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I almost, I almost. Well, you I, know, when a guy says they're 12 inch, they're probably eight. <laughs> Well, let me tell you what was going through my head. I was thinking, and I know we, we've covered this before, and I keep saying, I feel bad. I have this Africa Twin. I, I love the bike. I love looking at the bike. It's a great bike. That was me moving the mic. Sorry. Okay. Um, I love looking at the bike. It's a great functioning bike, except I'm not, If I, I've now realized if I'm going anywhere that's a dirt road, I'm taking the 690 Enduro flat. Right. That's mm-hmm. my, my bike of choice. Second, if I was going to, like, I don't have any tours planned. If I was going to go across country or something like that, I'd throw street tires on. That would be my bike. It's mm-hmm. dead reliable. Great bike. I don't have any of that planned. I don't see in the next three years any real need for that bike. Well, dump it then. And Which makes me feel bad. So then like, I was well, like, no. well, could I trade it in and get like a monkey bike and a ADV 150? <laughs> what is he with these little bikes <laughs> now? You are just all over know, the little right? bikes. No, that's why I went walking up and down. I'm like, all right, I'm going to, uh, I love the bike. It could be a, a forever bike, except I cannot really think of any need for it. Yeah. What what have I not had? What have I not tried? What could be next to just try, right? And I was trying to like open my mind to something I'd never considered. 
And I was looking at all of the Royal Enfields and I'm like, I can't see myself riding, even like a Triumph. I can't see myself riding a, a Bonneville or something. I, I don't really have a need for that. Or, yeah, I, you're going to end up with a Harley. I mean, I, I've had I, Harleys. Yeah, I know, but you're going to go back to them. No, I mean, they, I, I really enjoy my Harley. I mean, Mason pulled up on this gorgeous anniversary. Uh, that What is that? Superglide? It is, but it's a uh, it's a Franken bike. I've, yeah, I've had yeah. it for a long time. It was all stock. It's it's actually a '99. It's not a mm-hmm. true anniversary bike, but I got hit on it, and the gas tank was ruined. So I got I an mean, anniversary. That's how you met your wife? No, oh. no, <laughs> oh, not, not that kind of hit. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, uh, um, no, but Emma and I thought about that. They had a, a used Victory there. And I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. if again, if I had a cross country trip I was planning, I would consider that. Uh, what, what, what'll, what, when do you think you'll dip your toe into the electric world? Because you're not doing long I'm trips. I'm not gonna unless I'm commuting every day. There's, okay. there's no asking. value in that. If you're that's not that's really the only thing you haven't touched. I think mm-hmm. unless you're gonna get like. I, well, and that's why I was like open mind. What what is here? And I was really just looking at everything and considering everything. I looked at. Uh, get a Diablo. <laughs> so those are, those are the actually one a lot thing, of fun to ride. Yeah. The one thing I centered on was that ADV one hundred and fifty. I'm like, that could be stupid. That could be fun. What do you think you could get for the Africa Twin? Ten to twelve. I'd say ten grand. Yeah. Huh. Have you ever had like a, a Grom or a Z one hundred and twenty five Pro? So I have a Benelli one hundred and thirty five, and I got the Amigo one hundred and twenty five out there. Okay, because like that yeah, scooter so yes. is kind of like an automatic version. Right, you know. I know, I know. But I, I was trying to just open my mind. Really, what have I not experienced? What would be something? And also, like a Ural. Oh God! It's, <laughs> you, we don't call, well we don't call them urinals for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's my my thinking. And as I was walking up and down the aisles and just looking at stuff, and I was looking at like Z nine hundreds and just you know like. Are they Z one thousands now? What are they? No, they're still Z nine hundreds. And I, I really I, considered anything. I tell you, a very pretty bike. Those those Z six fifties, the heritage ones, yeah. in the emerald green with the gold wheels. Oh God, that's a good look. They are. Bike. And I, I rode one of the nine hundreds at the Aim. I think a few years ago. Oh, in Vegas. And that, yeah, that bike motor, story. that inline four, is like a sewing machine. Yeah, and the beautiful. It was like that caramelish. Yes. And um, so yeah, I I really looked at stuff. Uh, I, I managed to get out of there. Because oh, I said, what about with the three wheeled things, uh, with the two in the front? What's that called? The Yamaha uh, Trace? No, what is it? The, oh, the, oh, the Nikon. Ni- Nikon. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I enjoyed the Nikon. the Nikon. If if they had one used there, I would consider. You would that. check that out because Nikon is on my list. Out there. Um. Anyway, so then I went up to um, House of Thunder, Harley Davidson, Morgan Hill, nice. House Morgan of Hill. Chunda. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And um, went up there, talked to Gilbert. Mm. Who's the ADV guy in there? Oh, yeah. And uh, we we sat on the Pan Americas. I just they they are proving themselves to be legit bikes, but they're like thirty grand. Compare that to the Africa Twins. It's really hard. So it's, Mason, not, it's not about money. Yeah, you might not have had the opportunity to ride a a, a Pan America yet. I don't know. One showed up here as a demo, and so we all had a go on it, and. I mean, it's far from a perfect bike, and I'm not going to suggest it is, but it was a lot more legit than I thought it was going to be. A few of my friends actually have them, and they went from performance FXRs to the Pan America, and they love them. 
And well, I, he's, I mean, it's 100 and how many horsepower? 30 well, see, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's got some go in it. That's interesting because mm. I was talking to Gilbert. And I said, so tell me, who's more likely to buy this? Are you more likely to get somebody off of like a Dyna and Dyna bra in America? Or are you more likely to get someone to come from a BMW over to it? And he said, more likely to get somebody from a, a, a Harley over yeah. to that, staying yeah. with the, the name. Well, previously, when I was with BMW, the number one GS buyer was the guy who had a, uh, what are those, the the one headlight bagger, um, Street Glide. Oh, yeah, Street Glide. Yeah, that was like the big demographic, Street Glide or Road Glide riders would come in and get a GS because they wanted something different. And I think Harley probably noticed that and was like, maybe we should just have a bike we could sell them. And that the segment's huge. Yeah, yeah. So um, the the other reason I was there talking to both of them was in preparation for our rally. Hey, Mason, you got to come to our rally, dear. Well, when is it? April 21st through 23rd. Where is it, Liza? <laughs> Hollister Hills. My my wife is due on the twenty sixth. Oh, so good. You better get out for it. Yeah, get out of the house, Mason. <laughs> Just get out of the house. And come back Thank when it's you. all over. Thank you. Um, so both of those places are sponsors of our rally, which is really Sweet. great. So I was talking to both of them about um, they want to participate and do stuff, and we're talking about games and rides and just stuff like that. And there are prizes. Okay, can I tell you the game that I came up with? I want to get your honest opinion. Honest opinion if this is a good game. I hope it has bows and arrows in it. No. <coughs> so I thought, so Don't you know shoot those, your eye out, kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know those little, um, uh, the little penis um, stem caps that I have? Yes. Yes. All right. So <laughs> I was talking to uh, Ed over at, at Gilroy Power Sports. I'm like, hey, maybe this would be fun. We'll, we'll bring the ride here. And I'll put a couple of my stem caps on bikes. And the game is find the penis, find the dick, and you win a hat. And people have to scour every bike in that shop, which is pretty big, and try and find the dick. Oh, at the bike shop? At the, at the, yeah, you know how many bikes they have. Yeah. Oh, you, okay. Everyone's going to have to run meant, up and down the aisles the and try and find the dick stem caps, and you win a hat. Okay, honest, is that fun? Are they, are they going to be colored? Are they, gonna, are they, are they all going to be black? No, I think I have a green and a... Red one left. I'm not sure. You should have a oh, bunch okay. of them then. I, Don't just have one. That I think the potential <laughs> for having a couple of our excited rally goers take chunks out of brand new bikes in the Gilroy <laughs> showroom is high. Um, what did they have to say about <laughs> they it? They loved it. Well, in that case, if they loved yeah, it, dicks we'll away. put it on the back wheel of a bagger with the real loaf. Make them roll it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but that's all to say our, our rally is happening. So here's the full disclosure. Um, our rally is taking place at Hollister Hills, which is currently closed, closed until further notice. And they can't tell us if they will be open in time for our rally or not. But they can't tell us they won't be. Hmm. So we are planning as if, because their goal is to be open in a few weeks, and that's when our rally is. So worst case scenario, we may not have access to all the trails, but we have good camping and the location is amazing for just day rides from there. Right. You can go in all these different directions for just day rides. So our rally might be a little more street ride centric, less dirt biking, like Jim was planning on doing dirt biking every day. 
Yeah, but you know what's cool about that area is you can do all the street rides, but it's also great for ADV. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know to what extent you can get through New Idria and Clear Creek, but you should be able to at least access it because there's no gate on the south side. But even still, if you go out that direction on Pinoche, you can take it all the way to the five, and there's beautiful dirt roads. So um, good adventure riding out yeah. there too. Are you, are you still doing the uh, the RV later? Yes, the camper. Great. Yeah. So, um, hey, we want you guys to join us um, for our rally. And, you know, I, the other reason that I'm not giving up and I'm, I'm holding on to hope that this is actually happening is because I think everyone is so ready to ride right now. Oh, totally. God, yeah. Everybody yes. is so ready to ride. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be extremely optimistic that this is happening. We are going to make this happen somehow. We are making this happen. We are making adjustments to, to make sure you are it's willing fun. It. You are willing but we are, this is happening. So if you'd like to join us, you haven't signed up yet, go to breakingawaytrips.com, breakingawaytrips.com, and under tours, you'll see the Misfits Rally. Just go sign up there. Right. Uh, $250 for three days gets you access to the park, camping, and we have catered meals. We have two dinners and two breakfasts that are on us. And the meals are great. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not, Fast food. This is proper meals served by legit people, mm-hmm. um, and it's going to be great. Yeah, and we're going to have, you know, I mean, it's misfits. We're going to be having And we'll be it. thinking of you pacing up and down looking worried in the uh, maternity ward yeah, corridor. We'll, we'll see, yeah. Yeah, no, we'll be thinking of you, mate. Are you still doing breakfast, Emma? Uh, yes, topless as okay, well. Okay, I was going to say, I have, an, I have an outfit for you. Wait, was that top? <laughs> you better hope not too much bacon No, the breakfast, the breakfast will be topless. I will be fully clothed. But if you have an outfit, yeah, I will wear it. Emma, I will wear Emma, it. I think I you misunderstood the request. We wanted to have tapas. Oh, <laughs> no. Tapas. In that case, here's the, the special cherry one for you. Oh, thank you. Look at it. Oh, it's my pretty. Word. Uh, oh yes, look at that. So anyway, yeah, we're we're getting back into the groove. Things are happening here. Yes. Oh, and sadly, um, there was so many riders out yesterday when I was out tooling around the area, and I saw the thing you don't want to see, which was a group of bikes pulled over on the side of the freeway over Morgan Hill, and a bunch of people standing around looking down. Oh no. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's. Uh, I don't know what happened, but I know that an hour later there was still a backup. And the fire engines were arriving as I was passing it. So, not good. Mm-hmm. I feel bad that people are like, let's go out for a ride. And then, you know, something well, no, happens. Nobody wants that scenario to happen. So You know, and, and I don't know how that happens on a two-lane two lane freeway that's a long straightaway. Who knows what happened? Any, but, anything could happen. Well, one of the things is the road conditions are bad. There's potholes yeah. everywhere. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Um, yep. so anyway, that's it. We're having it join our rally. Right. Um, today we had a bunch of people showing up. Yes. Uh, shout out to Austin. He came down for the first time. He's a listener and showed up. And yeah. Hey, Austin. I put him to work. I knew you would. Yes, I did. Uh, putting away all that gear that was donated and just helping out. And he, yeah, and Austin he worked all day a, helping people. It was awesome. Yeah. Austin is a solid cat. Mm-hmm. Seemed cool. Yeah. I would just hand him stuff like here, go take the rust off of this or go paint that or dismantle this. And he did it all. So yeah, it was, it was a good time. Um, 
What about you? Did you guys get out to ride? You rode last week. Uh, well, I rode down to San Diego last yeah. weekend, so that was cool. Took On the Jixer. Took the Jixer. Yeah, so finally. On the sick Jixer. That sick was your Jixer. first big ride on it. How did it feel? Yeah, well, it was cool, you know, because it's got the GT moniker, so it's nice to take it on a road trip. You know, the first time I had put the bags, sight the, you know, the side cases on it, and yeah, so rode down to San Diego, saw Jake, rode back. It's great. I'm telling you, ripping on a leader bike like that. And um, for those who don't know, San Diego is what? How eight many and hours? A half hours? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah it's, over four hundred miles. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a It's a pretty good poke. Um, yeah, so it's a trip. I tell you, the, um, talk about riding. L.A. is just crazy. I mean, I know we've all ridden through L.A., <laughs> yeah. but you forget just lane splitting marathons. Yeah. It is wild. Um, but it was a good ride. Like I said, I got a chance to get on the bike. Um, you know, uh, GSX S one thousand GT. And uh, and it was great, great wind protection. Um, but the power is just dynamite because on a lot of these roads, the traffic moves. It's like L.A. It either is hauling ass or it's or it's you know like super slow. It's one or the other. They had the same bike in the same color at Gilroy, and for a second there, I'm like, ooh, that would piss Jim off. Oh no, it would. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be it. You know, it'd be very matchy matchy. Wouldn't that be cute? It's a good it looking would be bike. Where the Africa twins? Yeah, and yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I tell you what, you know, because if you we went up to Alice's mm-hmm. and you were on the GSX and yes. I was on Rufus. Yes. When you see that thing in your rearview mirror, you're like, "Dang, that is a good looking uh, bike." Those two projection. Like, uh, you got the two projector beam headlights uh, and then this blue color. Lots uh, of angles. Uh, uh, yeah, you know it's 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 very stealthy. Yeah, and there's as much power as you want to reach for. Oh yeah, you know, and you're you're doing like ninety whatever, and you can drop it down. You don't have to worry about whatever gear it is. Just start dropping gears, and the bike eats it up. But you know the feeling when you're doing, and a lot of this traffic, it's all going so fast. You're going ninety, but it doesn't feel ninety, right? Because right. you're just all grooving. But then be able to downshift and just go from ninety to one hundred and fifteen and flow through traffic. Bagel, you can relate, right? Uh. Sure. Yes. <laughs> In your dreams. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I did my little road trip at the end of the week, but it wasn't on a bike. I had to take King Kong up to Reno, which is yeah, why I was in Reno. you were showing off the new toy. So I got my new Ameridec. Um Are you jealous, uh, Mason? Very much. Very well, much. It, to be fair, no, Mason is a lot stronger than I am and is probably a lot more capable of pushing bikes around. thing is, I got the deck... Not as a, um, you know, like, look at me tall. You know, I'm in my 60s and I'm becoming more and more feeble. And the trouble is, before King Kong, I had the El Camino, which you remember very Mm -hmm. well, Mason. And the best thing about the El Camino is very low. You just Mm -hmm. plop and the bike's in the back. Um, King Kong was quite high. I mean, the deck is like 36 inches off the ground. And when you're pushing a full-size bike up there, it is scary as hell. And you know that if you were to fall off the side of it and the bike would fall on top of you, you'd just die. Mm-hmm. You'd be dead. And probably a 250 would kill you from that height. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, look. Well, you did install a winch on it. Yes. Um, which is operated by a winch. That would be me. Um, so I just thought, no, I need something that's a little bit safer so i did a little bit of research and everywhere you know safe motorcycle loading blah 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 and it all went back to the ameridec and so i called these guys up and they said yeah this is the cost of the deck uh but you have to have it fitted because it's not you know the thing weighs two thousand pounds 
So you have to have it fitted and approved fitting and blah, 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 blah. And the nearest one was Reno. So I actually, I bought the deck right after Christmas and I've just been waiting for a solid couple of days. Because, you know, back when I drove Greyhounds, I used to chain up every weekend when I was going to Reno and back. And my days of chaining are over. So um, we just got a nice couple of days and I thought, right, let's get the deck fitted. So up I went to Reno. Um, got it fitted, and um, bagel. Check your phone. I just sent you a picture of the. It apparatus. is. It is wild. Oh yes, I like the one of Yuri today riding it up like a bucking bronco. <laughs> yeah, no, and I mean immediately Mason, because of course the thing is, um, the way an Ameridek works is it sits flat behind the truck, so it's the easiest thing in the world to load. You literally. Push a bike on a flat it's, ramp. It's easier than putting a bike on a lift. Yes, exactly. Far easier. And then you strap it down. But then, of course, it pick, it gets picked up. And at one stage, it's sitting nearly vertically. It's beyond 45 degrees. So oh, yeah. it's crazy. Um, <laughs> so you better have it strapped down well. And, of course, immediately, as soon as we saw that, we thought... Wonder what it'd be like to ride a bike up there. <laughs> <laughs> so of course Yuri volunteered to be the first because he's got the best balance out of everyone. Yes, and the best hair. Um, and the best hair. So he rode it up, and then Henry decided he wanted to ride the empty deck up and down as well, which was quite good fun. I was saying you need to turn it into like the uh, the, the the bull at at Gillies and just and try and shake somebody off. But it was it was a great deal of money. But for what I paid for it, I could quite easily do that amount of damage to a good-sized bike if it fell off the truck. Or more importantly, I could do far more than that damage to me. And the fact is, is if I'm pushing a bike on and off the truck and it falls on me or I hurt myself and I can't work for six weeks, I mean, Mason's got employees. I don't. So if I put myself out for six weeks, Motortown's closed for six weeks with all the financial implications that that is. So to me, as big a check as it was, it was very, very smart investment. And I'm not going to go around, I'm not going to be like AAA recovering bikes, but it's just something I can offer to my clients. Hey, I've got this Vincent Black Shadow that's been in my garage for 40 years. Well, let me come and get that. And then you can ride it home. So... You know, and I can kind of roll it into the cost of the restoration. Yeah. Well, Phil did something similar, didn't he? Invest in a, a different style of bike loader. Yeah, he's got that super long. It kind of extends out of the back of the truck, yeah. and it works. It works on a similar principle in that, you know, it it make it's very easy to load, but you need a long, long yeah. area because this thing's twenty feet out the back of your pickup <laughs> when it's yeah, extended. Right. Yeah. Um, but same idea it's like let's make it easy right right? let's make it easy and you know that's the idea i just want an easy safe emphasis on safe Mm -hmm. where i'm not going to mess up your bike more importantly i'm not going to mess up myself Mm -hmm. um so hence me sitting in calneva eating (laughs) 2.99 ham and eggs that's awesome (laughs) which as far as i'm concerned is the meal of reno ham and eggs that and a palm oil no filter yeah, uh, palm oil, no business. filter, a schlitz, and ham uh, and eggs. Uh, uh, That's Reno, yeah. right there. Totally. Oh, oh, so right, I did something similar just in the ease of lifting. I got one of those uh, truck hitches, the, one of the 
you know, the truck on the back for your dirt bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's got the little bottle jack lifter on it. Oh, yeah, that's those? super. Yeah, yeah, I've I've taken it to Hollister one time. It did okay, but same thing. It's like sometimes it's easy to push a dirt bike up in the back of the truck, but sometimes at the end of the day, it's not so easy, right. especially when you're by yourself and there's no one around. Right, and I guarantee you all the times I've had to deliver bikes in the past, it's been kind of at the end of the day and I'm beat mm-hmm. and I'm tired and my body's clunky, you know, and it's just... I don't want to do this. So I really like the idea of strapping something down on a flat deck and just pushing a button. And well, then doing the same when I get up there. Welcome to this week's episode of Accessories for Old People. Sponsored by yeah. Advil. <laughs> uh, I've still got all my own teeth, you know. So last week I told you that I went for a little ride. but It was a big deal because it's been a long time. And I rode up into the Redwoods up up to Felton, and that's when I went to go visit Mason and see what's in his shop and talk him into coming on. He's always got good stuff in his shop. He's always got some good stuff. It's an eclectic bunch. Yeah, uh, yeah. He what was what's on your um, on your bench? Um, the um, um, uh, uh, what you want to call it? The old one. Old one. You got to be more specific than there. Did you say a Vincent? <laughs> yeah, the Vincent. Oh, the yeah. Comet. Vincent the, on there. The yeah, Comet. Yeah, with a Comet. Bunch of shovel heads. We. You're been... always because finding stuff. Well, you haven't been washed away. I mean, my God, because your shops like up in the mountains, right? Oh my goodness. What yeah. about your house? Because we've already had one misfit who's had his house condemned. So because yeah. of the oh, floods. Which, by the way, this is given up to. Yeah, John is not here because he's trying to find a place to live right now. Wow. His house was red tagged, and he yeah he's homeless. So um, what hap- what happened to you, Mason? Well, w- this winter we've gotten like a hundred and sixteen inches of rain, so that's uh, throwing a wrench into some stuff. But thankfully, my house is still there. We've had definitely some days closed at the shop because of no power, no internet. It's been a winter. Like I think at my house we've almost four weeks total just in 2023 of no power or internet wow. wait but yeah. was it worse wow. during the fire well the fire yeah we were out for 63 days for the yeah. fire but it's wow. it's a beautiful place to live hill, hill well, people yeah we always talk about the hill people yeah <laughs> well you know you, living ain't you, easy. You it need. might be hard living but at least it's expensive right. <laughs> <laughs> but if you know what you're signing up for it's not so bad i mean yeah you certainly do need a certain amount of fortitude to live up there um, because you, I mean, you live in the mountains, don't I you? Do, you live further up from. But the I shop. also have a dirt bike track in my yard, and how I can, cool is I, that? I, I can pee in the yard and not have to worry about neighbors, and that's a huge deal. Hill people, hill people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I co- I live in a town called Boulder Creek, and I call people like us we're Boulder Cretans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not secretion, Cretan. yeah. Cretans, Boulder well, Cretans, Boulder Bama, baby. And uh, there may be some people who recognize his voice from his YouTube channel. Yes. Oh yeah. Mason George Motorcycles. I think we've put a couple of links to his channel. Um, yeah, maybe in the past. we think we yeah, should. I appreciate so. that. Appreciate it. But what I enjoy is watching you finding things. You're always finding. Really interesting things. Oh, Emma, I told you about what this uh, latest yeah. stash that he that he's got. Well, I haven't I haven't spilled the beans with him e- yet about e- it. E- I, I did. Yeah. King of the yeah. barn find. <laughs> everyone, you know, everyone brings something to the table in this huge soap opera that's motorcycling, and Mason's strength. I mean, you know where to find them. I don't really get involved in buying and selling bikes. Never really have. 
I just, I'm a wrench. I'm a, I'm a very, very humble mechanic. I always have been. I always will be. But this is your strength. And you find these collections, don't you? Yeah, I've, I've gotten, you know, I'm really lucky. And a lot of it's, you know, networking and talking to people. I talk to strangers all the time. Well, I talk I to strangers, re- darling. Some are there, some aren't. But, you know, but no, it's, I'm always looking. I'm always hunting. I'm always putting it out there to the universe about bikes and we've we've definitely found a lot of them and i i've never had a shortage of bikes to buy right i just have a shortage of money and space <laughs> yeah and that's the hard hard part so let's which talk about keep. but so that's why i wanted to bring him down i wanted to talk about barn finds this is something that i think is intriguing to everybody i mean what emma what is the definition of a barn find well i mean if you if you want to Take it to its most literal sense. I mean, barn finds back, if we go back 40 years, maybe even 50 years, there was always this folklore of the old farmer or the old country guy. You know, he bought the Indian, he bought the knucklehead, he even bought the Vincent Black Shadow, rode it for a couple of years, had a blowout, stuck it in his barn. And then you come along 30, 40 years later, it's all pluck it out what you're presented with is a original very low mileage bike that's covered in barn dust yeah now that's its most literal sense it's really become almost like calling a vacuum cleaner a hoover not all vacuum cleaners are made by hoovers but we you know yeah get the hoover out and push it around barn find really now means any bike that's been sitting for a period of many, many years. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure whether you'd call a bike that's been sitting for a six months or a year a barn find. No. But no. 15 years, 20 years, maybe even a decade, and just sitting unloved in the corner of a garage. Now, Rufus started out as a barn find. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Rufus was... Um, Rufus is a good example of a modern barn find. So Rufus was bought new. In 1994, um, the guy who owned him rode him for three years and then um, got his girlfriend pregnant. And her father said, look, no more riding bikes for you. You need to think about raising, you know, my grandchild. So he said, what we'll do is we'll do a family business, which turned out to be a body shop in Monterey. Rufus never got sold. It got stuck in the corner of the body shop. So when I found Rufus, it's a very low mileage bike, only 9,000 miles, but it had probably an inch of Bondo dust all (laughs) over him because he'd been sitting inside the back of this body shop, I think with a hood from from a Chrysler 300 on top of him for the best part of, well, work it out, 97 to, I can't remember when I bought him. 20, 25 years. Wow. So that's kind of a more modern... A barn find doesn't have to be in a barn, mm-hmm. but an original bike that's been hanging around. So let's talk a minute about how does something become uh, you know, a barn... How does it end up in the barn, the garage, the yard, whatever? I think we've all found bikes, and they all have a story usually. Uh, Mason, do you have any interesting stories of, of something or some bikes that how they came to be sitting for so long? Yeah, 
<clears throat> a lot of it is motorcycles have never been, you know, expensive like cars, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're inexpensive, especially in the 60s and 70s. They were dirt cheap. So a bike can have kind of a minor problem, and the old farmer throwing it in the barn type of thing is, is a real deal for a bike that is worth totally worth fixing now, but when it was five or six years old, it wasn't because you could just go down and buy another one for four or five hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what people did, and nothing lasted that long back then. I know everyone says, oh, they don't make stuff like they used to, but... Oh, that ain't true. Yeah, that's not true at all. You know, <laughs> any General Motors product made before <laughs> 2005, good luck getting over 200,000 miles out of it. You know, yep. like... Now Toyotas go forever and all that, and even the American stuff's good, and bikes are the same way. You know, the mileage thing, especially British bikes, you know, you can find a British bike that only has 12,000 miles that completely needs rebuilt. That's a real thing. Yeah. Um, So so something something goes wrong with it, and they just park it. Yeah, and, you know, the area thing is different. I got a a CB750 out of an apartment garage, in Los Angeles when I lived down there and somebody lived there that was their bike they moved out and the super put it in a closet and it sat there for 25 or 30 years <laughs> wow yeah wow. and he actually offered to pay me to take it ah. and I was like no 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 don't worry like what kind of beer do you drink like oh yeah. you know <laughs> we'll make this out it's all good but that that kind of stuff happens, and I'm from the Midwest originally, so because of my YouTube channel and all that, I get a lot of leads from friends and family. Like, I had a Rickman CR900, mm-hmm. which is a Kawasaki-powered Rickman. They only imported about 250 of these bikes. Um, my mother found that bike for me. Wow. And I, I was going to say, that's <laughs> wow. another... Uh, Thanks, Bob. Yeah. I think common form of a barn find is something that was a race bike. Right. And somebody stops well, racing. This was street legal. Oh, but, was, but, that, yeah. but I'm just saying, but that's another totally. common thing where you find like Rickman, stuff like that. They were, they stop racing and they just stick yep. it. A lot the, of the vintage the, dirt. Yeah. I do a lot of vintage dirt bikes and dirt bikes used to change every year. Mm-hmm. The advancement was a lot more rapid with the models so a guy would buy a bike and they were cheaper race it for one two years and then buy the next thing because they were getting especially you know when the elsinores came out every year almost they're getting dramatically better they're they're changing dramatically year to year and because the bikes are cheap enough to buy there's no real value in the old ones you know it's not i'm not going to sell this old one because Everybody's going to be no. We want the more modern one. Yep. So the there are old ones kicking about. Um, didn't you just get a really really nice AMF electric light out of the the Midwest? Did I see the I, blue one? I did. I back when I lived in Arizona because I went to school at MMI. Mm. I worked at a shop there, and a, I met a friend who had also been from Ohio, but four hours away. We didn't grow up together or anything. Because of social media, we've stayed in contact you know, the 10 years or whatever it's been. And out of the blue, he sent me a message one day and said, Hey, my uncle passed away. He doesn't do bikes. He does something else. Um, but regardless, he's like, my uncle passed away. My aunt thought he only had three motorcycles, but there's about 17. 
<laughs> and wow, you know they live in a in a very farm town, rural area. They don't do the internet, you know that kind of deal. And he said, the next time you're back there, would you be willing to go check them out? And I said, absolutely. And I borrowed a friend's enclosed trailer and another one of my other buddies. We got his dad's truck. It was a four-hour one-way trip, but yeah, we pulled out a uh, really nice FLH out of a barn, which I fell through the floor twice getting it out, but it was <laughs> worth it. I know. I was like, you have to be up on your tetanus shot doing this stuff, I tell you. <laughs> right. But yeah, and we I ended up shipping that thing out to my shop in California, and you know, we brought it back to life. And that's the one I really enjoy finding the bikes. It's the cherry on top, though. If we can get them, get them. running and riding again, it adds a lot yeah. of value, and it ensures that that bike hopefully won't end up in a barn again. Right. So we're, I'm trying to get these bikes. You know, essentially, we're trying to save them. Yeah. Well, um, and, and I was going to say uh, we were talking when I was up at your shop about like, the, can you talk about the four bikes you re- recently uh, found? Oh, the British bikes? Uh, no, the the engineer. Oh, yeah, so that yeah, that had a, a fun has a fondness <laughs> for cool things. That's that's a whole nother thing that. And this is interesting. I get a fair amount of stuff. My wife does real estate in San Jose, which is Silicon Valley, and there's a lot of very interesting folks that live over there. <laughs> that's an understatement. Yeah, I'll try to be nice. Um, but no, this guy was a really cool guy. And he had he has these four immaculate condition motorcycles, mm-hmm. and my wife's actually going to sell his house. And when they were talking time frame, his biggest obstacle was that he had these four motorcycles and he didn't know what to do with them because they don't run. Mm. He stopped riding in 2009 when he got married, and I don't know if his wife made him or whatever, but... He just stopped, but he didn't want to sell the motorcycles. And because he's an engineer, he told me he was really fond of just going out in the garage and looking at looking at them and appreciating the engineering that went into them. So they're all mint condition, clean, every I, single I one. I saw some of them. They, they look brand new. Yeah. So can you list what they are? So, yeah, there was an 84 Trail 110. And. Yeah, it, beautiful oh, cool. red. 460 Look brand miles. Look brand new. Yeah. Oh, wow. I actually thought it was one of the new Trail 125s. It looks yeah, pristine. It's, a, it's, a, it's the nicest one I've ever had, mm-hmm. and, and I've had a, a lot of those. A 2002 or three, I'm blanking now, um, DRZ 250. DR. D, no, it's a DRZ. It is? It is? Yeah. Okay. DRZ oh. 250. Uh, they didn't make a ton of those bikes, mm-hmm. and but they're really great little bikes. Electric start. And it was ridden twice. Looks brand new. Yeah. Like, twice at Hollister. Twice at uh, yeah, yeah Metcalf or Hollister or, yeah. or whatever. But regardless, it it's original tires and they're not worn out. Does it have the Laker kind of paint job? Is it the purple and yellow? No, or no? It's, okay. it's yellow and white. It looks like a, white. just okay. looks like and a DRZ four hundred, a little smaller. It looks DRZ, like a, a brand new. Yeah. yeah, it has. Sport. It kind of has a a high seat height for mm-hmm. a two fifty, and I'm guessing that's probably maybe why it didn't sell incredibly well because it is pretty tall. Yeah, but primo, perfect, then, perfect uh, dual sport for somebody. Yeah, but and, now it's getting more interesting. Yeah, and then the, the next one is a 1995 RF900. Oh, another, uh, yet another 1800 original miles. Wow, still sitting on wow. the original tires, in perfect condition. Never dropped. Never sneezed on. 
you know. Now, Emma claims that is the best looking bike of all time. Do you agree? I don't know if I'd go that far, but it is a really cool looking bike. It's, you know. <laughs> They're very much of the time. I mean, to me, the mid 90s were really a halcyon time in the styling of motorcycles. And the reason I like my roofer so much, and to the same extent, what colors this is? Is it the good? It's red. It's the plain red, yeah. yeah. I've got the, the Laker colors, the purple and yellow. Um, there's nothing on the road that looks like it. Nothing. When someone goes by on an RF 900, you know exactly what it is because it is like nothing else. The taillight alone, if you're following one, the taillight has its own zip code. It's that big. It, it's a neat motorcycle, totally. Mm. And they're fast as fury. That's 125 horsepower. Emma, how there. can you resist picking this up? 1,800 you know, miles. The truth you is... You can have a, a, a sibling let me tell you. Let me tell you something right now. <laughs> Mototown is full of motorcycles. Mm. My lockup is full of motorcycles. My garage at home is full of motorcycles. I have motorcycles at my friend's house. You have now a that, spare bedroom in your house that's not being used. No, there's a mo motorcycle in it. Um, <laughs> the, Do you know how many you have? Well, I know how many I own personally, and it's only eight. Oh, but uh, these, oh it's business stuff. Yeah, a lot of it's business <coughs> stuff. I don't want another motorbike. Um, okay, but... There's one more in this collection. Oh, and that one. And you're struggling all, with this in one. In all honesty, yeah, th <laughs> this one's a big struggle for me to not want to keep it. It's a 03 GSXR 1000. Same thing, under 2,000 miles. Oh, perfect God. condition. Yeah, that'd be the one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. It's uh, it's so. This is yeah. it's the just hardest yes. thing. Yeah. It's the hardest thing is not to keep them all. Like I wish I could, but I just don't have. And the space you know, and the that's money the and, important thing, Mason, because. You know, we're in business, and when you're in business, number one, you're, you're in business to support the business, to make sure your doors are open next week, and to support your family. And I've got a family as well as you. It's, it's a different family, but it's a family nonetheless. And hopefully we have some fun with it as well, which I think we both do. Yeah, I, I got to a, a point but, like seven or eight months ago where... I had so many motorcycles, it was actually messing with me mentally going yes. out in my garage. It's happened to me there as well. There too many bikes. I had no room to work on anything, and I had all these projects going on, mm -hmm. and stuff wasn't getting done because I was doing too much at once. So it, basically, like, bagels garage. Right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I, I don't normally count how many motorcycles I have. That's oh, not yeah, a normal dangerous. thing, but I actually did, and I had 33 and I was like, Ooh, yeah, that's so, getting up there. That's a, a Do you little know ouch. what the new equation is for the right number of motorcycles? 50? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, yeah. What? So, you know, it used to be N plus one, but no, the new equation is D minus one. D equals divorce. Oh, yeah, right. My, <laughs> thankfully, my wife is so cool about motorcycles. <laughs> like, it, you know. Having met your better half a couple of times, it will be that at the quail. So it was in a controlled environment. <laughs> um, no, she's just such a neat lady and very, very mellow. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm married. Yeah, right. Because, you know, she, the motorcycles were a thing 
first. Like, this is my life. It's, you know, when she met me, I was heavily involved. So she she understood. So it's, so it, it's something that has been, you know, part of you since the day you met. Totally. So that, yeah, yeah, that makes it easy. She, yeah. Um, but I, I'm also always impressed with things that you're finding here locally. Me that, too. Like, where, where are all these things coming from in the mountains? So, so you're talking about these uh, British bikes you found recently, right? The British bikes... Totally, I had met. There's there's a lot of hippies around here, so both of my the cool mountain stories both have hippies in them. So one day, this old hippie showed up at my shop, and I had this little T100, and he really liked it. And you know the the guy he he looked like a mountain man. Like you didn't, I you know you never know. There's hill people and there's mountain men. Oh yeah, yeah. and you never know if the guy has. Two dollars in his pocket, two thousand or two hundred. You just never but you're know. You guarantee know he's got a hatchet somewhere <laughs> yeah, nearby. There's a chainsaw in the back of the truck <laughs> in a bag of grass, and you know, like the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I ended up selling him this motorcycle, and he was he was pretty old. And a year and a half, two years later, this woman stops by and said, "Hey, you sold my husband a motorcycle a couple years ago. He passed away. Would you be interested in buying it back?" And I said, yeah, sure. You know, I I, I want to see it and all that. And she goes, well, I'll sell it back to you for what he paid for it. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, you know, and I was racking my brain trying to even remember what I sold it. And it was around $2,000. I think it was actually like 1800 bucks. Mm-hmm. It was a very non-special motorcycle. It was cool, but nothing crazy. And she goes, and she had like a list. And she goes, yeah, that was uh, that one was 10000 and I was like, oh, no, I think you have it confused. This is not even close. And So, yeah, so this is a whole other thing you have to deal with. When you find that, that bike in the barn. Oh, it's the Pickers effect big time. And people think, well, this is worth a lot of money. Yeah, the, the Pickers thing is, uh, is huge. Oh, this is worth a lot of money. It's like, well, what do you do? Like, that's hard when you have to walk away from these bikes. <clears throat> it is. It is. Thankfully, with that, there was nothing in there that was, like, really pulling at my heartstrings crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the Pickers thing has is a gift and a curse. It's brought a lot of awareness to old motorcycles. But it's also, it's kind of like with cars, the Barrett-Jackson thing. Everyone thinks they're... 66 Chevelle's worth 175 grand and yeah. they don't understand yeah. what went into it to get it there. Maybe right. maybe she googled yeah. this yeah. Sort of like uh, yeah. So while we're talking about British bikes, let's talk about the realities of British bikes right now. Yeah. They're a pain in the ass. If you, you weep, if you reality. have a decent British bike and when I say a decent British bike, I mean a Bonneville, maybe a pre-unit Bonneville. BSA, Commando, any of the AMC stuff, maybe a, an Enfield Interceptor, and you want to do a complete restoration on it, mm-hmm. a complete restoration, that's 20 grand. That is what it yeah. costs to restore a British bike. Now, for that, you're going to have a lot of fish and chips. Hand, <laughs> handful of new parts. All the chrome, a lot of these bikes had chrome tanks. It's a thousand bucks to get a tank re-chromed. And time. Let's talk about the time. Exactly. Exa- mm. And you time know. and commitment. This is not 
there's no real massive money in this. If there was, we wouldn't have we wouldn't deal with customers. We would just restore bikes and sell them and make money and to be awesome. Right. right. But no, that's not how that's not the reality you know, of it. Right. As yeah. far as the numbers go, you know, when I was fresh off the boat, um, I used to go to the Clubman show in San Jose. Mm-hmm. I always imagine you on the boat surrounded by limes. Is that how no? You I, I was yes to avoid scurvy. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what scurvy was, but it was a terrible thing to even talk about. So I used to eat a lot of limes. So you said when I came over on the boat, I imagine yeah. you in the cargo, the, keeping eating. an eye out for Moby Dick. <laughs> yes, Moby, oh Moby. Um, so I used to go to the Clubman show in San Jose. Mm-hmm. And the Clubman show in San Jose was a British bike only show, and they dipped their toe into classic Japanese bikes for a while in classic, but it was primarily a British show. And back in the mid 90s, the show was jumping. When you oh, walked yeah. in there, there was hundreds of bikes in there. It was elbow room to elbow room. When you went out into the parking lot, there were British bikes as far as the eye could see. These were the visitors' bikes. Yeah. All parked up and down the road, all riding up and down the road. I, no, I remember the the hall was full of British. When they started letting in German and Japanese bikes, they rented another hall. Yeah. Put them over there. But that, <laughs> that is how big that show was. And this is just our rinky-dink mm-hmm. little San Jose mm-hmm. show. These were not crappy bikes in the parking lot. These were beautifully restored bikes. Mm-hmm. All that's gone away now, but the bikes haven't. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All you got to do is find them. Because believe me, if Mr. 70-year-old was riding a beautifully restored T160 Trident or Hurricane in 1995 to the Clubman show, and he has shuffled off his mortal coil now, that bike still exists. and In a barn. In a barn, and Mason's got to find it. So, yeah. So, and here's something that I've discovered over the years because I've I've resurrected bikes and found bikes, and I've learned that free is the right price. Oh yeah, free is the <laughs> right the price. Best price. Free. Because <laughs> I, I just remember when I lived in Atlanta, there was somebody up the street. Like I think his brother died and left him this BSA, and he par- par- parked out in the front lawn. And I'm like, I- I'd be happy to take it off your hands for free. And I was watching it just rust away. It was just covered mm. in rust. I knew that this was a major project, but he was like, no, this is worth like eight grand or something. You know, he thought it was worth a lot of money and Jeez. I just had to let it rust away. But um, it's a, it's a major undertaking. So here's the question I want to ask you guys. If somebody is out there and they find a bike in somebody's yard or barn or something like that, right? And they think they want to take it on. What's the best advice you give them to assess if it's even worth it or not? Because as we say here, there there's actually no such thing as a free bike, right? Well, I think that they need to do a self-assessment more than assess the bike. Agreed. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. Bagel, did you hear that? Self-assessment there we go. first. You know, what have you done with motorcycles before? If you're still riding the Honda Rebel that you got after class six months ago and you've never worked on a bike before, it's probably not the, even at free, unless it's something very special. You could still lose money. You could, right. It's still going to cost yeah. you more right. than what it would cost to buy a nice one. And most of the time, I'm talking people out of doing stuff like that. Yeah. I do that all the time. I my, do it oh, as my well. My neighbor gave me this, 
you know, mm-hmm. CB350. The engine's locked up, but it was free. Oh. And, you know, it's just been sitting in the backyard for 30 years, but, I, you know, just... It just needs just a rest- restoration, so I want to res- I want to have you restore it, and then I'm going to sell it, right? <laughs> and that is like all the red flags in one. Oh yeah, there yeah. are times I'm like, yeah, it's missing the tail light. Good luck finding one. Like yeah, and if you don't have the right tail light, it's not worth anything. There's and, something as simple as that, you know. And you know the truth is, there's a couple of factors going on here, and it's it's happened to me, and I mm-hmm. I'm sure it's happened to Mason. Whenever you deal with old motorbikes. You And you reminded me saying about good luck finding a taillight. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you a story about a Benelli. Oh, do tell. Oh, you'll like this story. So um, one of our very, very dear friends and listeners is a young gentleman called Chris Wiggins. 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 <laughs> Wiggins. Oh, he's a crazy motherfucker. <laughs> he is crazy, and he knows how to ride that. <laughs> that hooligan shit. Hooligan shit. So Support anyway, your local um, Wiggins' grandpa... Um, passed on mm-hmm. and there was a barn full of motorcycles and wiggins um oh yeah he had like he, a bunch of really cool stuff yeah he had a bunch of really cool stuff but There's wiggins a, just wanted a nice memory of his grandpa yeah. and he, he he picked out a very very pretty red cbx yeah. and Ooh. said emma would you go through it and make it roadworthy which i subsequently did and as part payment i took a very very low mileage in fact, 2,000 miles from new, Benelli 500 Quattro, 1974, an original paint bike. I gotta look that what up. color was that one? It was olive green. I remember it. Yeah. I remember that one, yeah. Gorgeous bike, 2,000 miles from new. So when a bike gets put away, there's a couple of reasons why it gets put away. Somebody might get married, like Rufus. Somebody might just get too old to ride motorcycles, or it might get put away for a reason. And as I found out, the Benelli got put away for a reason. So I did all the things that you normally presented with when a bike gets, um, when a bike's been sitting for a great many years. I did a full service on the engine, valve clearances and oil and filters. I rebuilt the carbs. I put new tires on it, new chain on it. I rebuilt the forks. I rebuilt the brakes. Everything. Did the electrics. Thing purred like a kitten. Put it in first gear, rode it around the parking lot. My God, this thing is great. Took it out on the road. First gear, second gear. Where's second gear? No second (laughs) gear. No crunch. Second gear was missing. Oops. I subsequently found out second gear was in pieces in the oil pan. Oh, boy. Where are you going to find second gear for a Benelli Quattro? So in the end, what I did was I had to modify the transmission from a Honda 504. And I turned all the bushes and I cut down the dogs and I made my own selector forks. And it was an absolute pain in the ass. And I wouldn't have done it. But I, at this stage, I'd got so much time and effort. You're too deep. I was too deep into mm-hmm. it, and I was not going to throw that Benelli away over second gear. And I was like a pit bull. But good luck finding a second gear for a friggin' Benelli. Mm-hmm. Even even when yep. you can find the parts, your time is worth something. It's like if you're like us and doing it for a business, but even if you're not, yeah, your you, time is still worth something. Right. So you have to factor that in. 
Now, look at that gentleman there with the red beard who's smiling at us. Look at him there. I think he has a story. Yes. Yeah, he does. But I, he's got no life. He's got no life. What? He could spend the whole of his life in his garage and he'd be the happiest bagel alive. But you I, still I have, have to a, put a value on that bagel. Well, I have enough projects to do that. That's for sure. I know you do. <laughs> But but that story reminds me of my barn find, Ooh. which is my first scooter, my 1965 Heinkel. Mm-hmm. The Heinkel Heinkel. And you found out yes. why it was put away all those years ago, didn't you? Well, there there were a couple of reasons, actually. Um, now, the, 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 the obvious reason when I found it was the, the two key parts were missing, the carburetor and the gas cap. Mm. So, um, and of course, mice built a nest in the gas tank. Uh, which had rusted through in the bottom, so it needed some work. But but you know, I found the parts that I needed and got it running again. Found a new carb, new gas tank, and all that, and it ran. And it 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 well, actually, after I after I unfroze the top end, which was stuck from sitting for so long, um, and rebuilt it. So, uh, but it ran great, except it had problems shifting into second gear. Um, now the Heinkel transmissions are notoriously finicky. Uh, they have a, a very long set of shifter cables that go from the handlebar down to the engine. Uh, with the um, the index is on the handlebars, so when you have slack in your cables, that makes it hard to get the right gear selected. And because second is so close to neutral, it's very difficult to get second just right when you're twisting the the hand grip to select the gears. So. With this bike, it had constant problems where it would somehow get stuck and not go into second gear. And you'd, you'd twist the shifter and it just wouldn't go in. Eventually it would, but it was a pain in the ass and it would just leave you losing momentum as you're trying to shift from second into from first into second, which on a Heinkel is everything. You need all every bit of momentum you can get. Because you've got how many horsepower? Uh, Seven? I, might be something like that, six or seven, I think, something like On that. On a bike that weighs the same as the USS Nostromo. Yeah, it's it's a couple hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah it's, there you it's, go. Right, it's large. Good. Yeah, I'll steal. Um, so eventually, um, you know, I, I dealt with this for years and years and years and wrote it that way. Never tried to take the transmit engine and transmission apart to try and figure out what it was. Uh, although eventually I ended up blowing up the top end and had to send the engine off to, uh, my friend Mike McWilliams in Colorado to rebuild it. Did a fantastic job. And, and, but before I did that though, I had posted online about this problem that I was having with the shifting and, uh, someone in Germany had suggested that, it sounds like there is a circlip missing on one of the shafts in the transmission, and that when that hap- when that's missing, it will not slide uh, properly. It'll get stuck in in like a kind of like out of where it's supposed to be uh, in in the case, and um, and of course that requires splitting the the cases to get into it. So once when the engine needed the, needed the rebuild. Uh, Mike did split the engine and uh, and found that that was exactly what the problem was because my bike was one of the last ones off the production line within the last like two thousand models that that they produced. Um, they were working uh, fast and dirty, and somebody forgot to put a, a cotter pin or not a cotter pin, a little uh, circlip pin on the shaft in the transmission, and so it had constant problems shifting, and it actually had worn away part of the case. So he had to send it out to a shop to uh, machine that out and then insert a brass bushing in there to uh, to fit the, the rod back in in the transmission. And it's been and now shifting it shifts, perfectly. Well, as perfectly as any Heinkel shifts ever since then. It's been great. So 
<laughs> yeah, because I mean they, and, they do get put away for for a reason. Um, yeah, and 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 just to go back to the the barn find story, mine was literally found on a farm inside <laughs> a shed in Massachusetts, uh, where it probably had sat uh, for at least twenty years. I'm I'm guessing, um, well, maybe maybe fifteen fifteen years, something like that. Um, but yeah, it had been sat and neglected, and and was uh, was very forlorn. And this uh, is under the a pile of, under forlorn. And this yes, is and the HE triple one behind you. It's it, 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 103A2. Oh, oh the, the HE <laughs> triple one. Whatever. <laughs> but it, and it was literally under a pile of tires and lawn, old dead lawnmowers. Nice! In shed oh, no. with, with a roof that was half caved in. So right. That, that's another aspect to these barn finds. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is because they're from the generation of not throwing stuff away. Right. Even, yep. you know, that post. Uh, depression post World War II, and I love that because I don't. Farmers, I don't like throwing yeah, stuff totally. away. Don't because you get yeah. paid to do that. <laughs> that you just yeah. park it out on the. We might need a little value day. to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or you know, and in, in also when space isn't an issue, like yeah. coming from the Midwest, yeah. Yeah. we don't yep. think about space. We have just tons of it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like yeah, just throw it in the throw it in the back lean to and out of sight, out of mind. And if we'll, we ever need we'll anything, it's there. Someday. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe I'll get another one, and I can use that one for parts or whatever. Right, totally. That's the mentality, and I love it. So sometimes, though, you do find a bike, and it's worth a lot of money. Oh, yeah. That can happen. But I want to make make clear to people, most of the time it's not. Let's make that clear. Most of the time it's going to cost more than its value to restore it. So it has to be a labor of love. Which, and I don't want to say it's not a good idea because old bikes are very mechanical and your hands and can get in. It's not that's, electrical. That's, that's can, my business. And I think it's a great project for somebody to try. I always say, best way to learn, buy, get an old Honda, take it apart, put it back together. Right? Yeah. yeah. But sometimes you can find those, those gems, right? Um, and I wanted to share a book review. What you say? You read? You read a book? <laughs> yeah, it got a green cover. Well, here's the thing. I don't know if you guys heard about this book. I read this, this was like 20 years ago or something. But it um, it's a book called The Vincent in the Barn. Have you oh, ever I heard know of that. This? Mm. I know that book. Mm. It's a really cool book. And it's a collection of, they say, stories of motorcycle archaeology. And hmm. I remember uh, reading this and sometimes it is about finding this really valuable bike in the back of a barn. Um, but some of them were like, there were stories I think over in like Europe when like the Germans came through, people dismantled their bikes and stuck them in the attic. And so there are like bikes in attics Mm -hmm. and, and basements of apartment buildings and behind walls. And, uh, some, there's really a lot of really cool stories of people finding stuff. Even in the United States, that you know, John Penton's dad had an early, I think it was a teens Harley that took apart oh, and they yeah. put it in the rafter of the barn. You know, there was a a, a white that was find found behind a brick wall. Like it's stuff's so crazy. But the the real value or the real money to be made with with bikes like that is actually not restoring them. Right, the potato. Yes. If you can find them original, nice enough where they don't need restored, and that's. One of the things I mm-hmm. love, I, I'm a big believer in they're the only original once, 
You know, anybody can, not anybody, but anybody with enough money can restore a bike. But to have one that's original and that's old, that's a hard thing to do. Actually, you know, it's funny. I had this conversation this very morning. You know, I was late um, to the Misfits because I had a meeting with a client at the shop. And I'm restoring his dad's 1956 Triumph Trophy for him. And part of the reason I got the contract, and it's a very lucrative contract, um, is I wanted to maintain as much of his dad's bike as I can. When you restore a bike, I mean, anybody can just throw parts at it, and you buy a new part here, and you buy a new part here, and you end up eventually with a new bike. But it's, 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 you know, it's like the proverbial broomstick. Yeah, you know, it's my original broomstick from 30 years ago, but it's had mm-hmm. 10 new handles and four yeah, new heads. We'll take the gas cap off, roll a new motorcycle on right, there, put, put the put gas back cap on. back on. Oh, and yeah. so I promised him that I would keep absolutely as much of his dad's bike as I can. I've, I've managed to do it. In fact, you vapor blasted the casings on that bike. Oh, cool, yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, this thing is drop-dead gorgeous. It's Absolutely, but it's all original and finished in the original style with a little bit of patina. It's, you know, it's what we call yeah. an oily rag. I mean, it's an incredibly original bike I, because his dad bought it new in 1956. You know, you want to do that. So, and I just wanted to share, going back to the Vincent in the Barn is a book that you can buy on Amazon right now by Tom Cotter. Um, I love the description. And this is like for anyone who likes the hunt, right? <clears throat> Says it's every motorcyclist dream. A friend or acquaintance says, you know, there's an old bike that's been sitting in this garage for years. The hunt is on. And rather than the usual worthless Honda Zuka, Honda Zuki Maha pile of hopeless oxidation, at the, at the back of that barn, you find a genuine classic, the motorcycle collector's dream. The Vincent in the barn tells 40 such stories, tales of motorcycle hunting dreams come true. From Ducatis and basements to Vincent's abandoned sheds, Harleys and barns to Brit bikes moldering behind urban garages. These are the stories that fuel every motorcyclist's fantasies. So there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about that book. Mm -hmm. The first is that was written at the absolute peak of when I was going to um, the Clubman show. You know, that was when there was much interest. But there is a word of caution in that book as well. And the reason I know that is, funnily enough, peripherally, some of my friends down in San Luis Obispo are involved. I think towards the end of the chap- end of the book, there's a chapter about Monty's Royal Enfield. I think it's Royal Enfield. It's a real small, lightweight bike. And it was pitched as being gifted to Montgomery, the famous general. And it had provenance to prove it was. And so this bike kind of commanded a respect because it's a very, very, you know, Lord General Montgomery is probably the most famous English general of the Second World War. And here's his motorbike and here's a picture of him with it and blah, blah, blah. The only problem is it was fake. And it was Ooh. it was fake documentation. I like it. And for <laughs> every person who is legitimate, oh, my husband died and you can have his bike, there is some little old lady being paid to say, oh, this was my oh, husband's yeah. bike. And it's completely fake. Hmm. You know, <laughs> and the higher you go in value, 
the bigger the stakes are, the more likely that's going to happen. It sounds like something out of an espionage movie. It sounds movie. like the, the, the documentary about the guy who faked all that high-end wine. Like, <laughs> right, only, exactly. Right. Only something a, you know, a, a, a but, silly rich person could have happen to them. But believe me, if you're dealing with a $1,000 bike, nah, nah, it's not going to happen. No way. $10,000 bike, yeah, maybe. $100,000 bike, quarter of a million dollar bike. You better check that provenance. Well, looks like I'm safe. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, no, hang on there, mister. One of the favorite, my favorite bikes that I saw at your place was a glorious Z1. Was it a Z1A or a B? Oh, probably my, the 74 yes. Z1A I had. Oh, which, God, that, that thing was drop-dead gorgeous. Talk about stuff I wish I could keep. You and know, that was all original, wasn't all it? All original. And it was patinaed. It was not, not a perfect not a bike. Not a lot. But a, it was nice. A lot of the, the patina I cleaned up. It had some, some spot rust, but like easily double zero steel wool, Coca-Cola, nothing deep, no re-chroming, nothing like that. But yeah, that bike was phenomenal. Um, that, was a, that was one of my better finds. And that went back to Japan, didn't it? Um, yeah, it did. I... Yeah. Well, that's where it belongs, I have mixed feelings Mason. about it. But, yeah, that you know, at the end of the day, I want it to go to the person who's going to appreciate it the most. And if you have the deep pockets and you're going to make that kind of investment, you're going to take care of that bike. So You know, it wasn't a barn find, Emma, but what was the BMW you had at Mototown where the guy had buried it? Because of the fires? Oh, God, yeah. That was but Rob that's Talbot's. that's a great original So looking... that was Rob Talbot's was personal. That? that was a 1964 R69. <laughs> Have you heard the story, Mason? We're like cool stickers a on it from it, international yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, I you know could tell Rob. A bike had been I like around. Rob. Yeah, no, Rob, Rob's great. So um, this... <laughs> This bike was in Carmel Valley, and they knew the fires were coming through, and he had no means of getting it, so he just mm -hmm. dug a hole in the back. I think he had <laughs> actually had the hole before. He didn't dig the hole for the bike, but he was doing footings for the garage. So he had so a it, hole. So he had a hole, so he just pushed the bike in and covered it up. Fire went <laughs> over the top, and this bike had patina. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. and also it started one kick. Oh, yeah. You walked right over to it and all boom. And, you know, Rob rode oh. it. So, wait, are you saying if you bury your bike and dig it back up, you can make it worth more? Well, somebody did yeah, that some with voodoo, a Ferrari. Somebody stuff. did that with a Ferrari Dino, but it didn't work too <laughs> oh, well. Planting motorcycles. Yeah. yeah. Motorcycle farming. You just, you know, put them wow. in the <laughs> Get off my land. <laughs> so, I want to ask you if you can reveal what's the biggest find that you did find, that one that's worth the most? Um,. You know, the Z1 was definitely a huge one because that one sold for a ton of money. One of the big ones that I really enjoyed that it wasn't the biggest financial one, mm -hmm. but I got a 1940 Indian that came out of the woods in the Santa Cruz Mountains <laughs> that was behind oh, wow. an old junkyard that hadn't seen. The newest thing in the junkyard was probably from 1970. It was on a, on a huge piece of private property and... I was working at the shop one day, and this old hippie guy rolls up in an oh, El Camino. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I'm talking Elky. denim jean jacket with a hand-sewn American flag on the awesome. back. He I smelled, think I know the guy. He smelled like he had four skunks in his pocket, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and just, you know, he had the whole vibe. Like, right yeah, wow. I, you know, he was selling the sizzle big time. And he shows me these pictures on his... 30 year old smartphone i was like 
is that a blackberry <laughs> like a black it's probably a collector's item but anyways he goes can you tell me what this motorcycle is and i'm looking at it and i'm like oh it's air old airhead this and that and and before i could even say anything he goes i'll tell you what it is it's an indian and i was like oh cool and i go well what are you gonna do with it and he goes nothing i'm an old man you want to buy it <laughs> and i was like well yeah like I do actually. And, um, you know, he wanted the moon and we, mm-hmm. you know, we, it's t- sometimes it takes a little time, but after a little time we were able to come to reality and, and, and whatnot. And I was really happy to, to save that motorcycle because the person that I sold it to did exactly what I wanted them to do with it. And they mm-hmm. left it alone cosmetically and they just mechanically restored it. And it was a special bike because it was a chopper from the 60s. It was mm. a 1940 Sport Scout engine in an Indian single-cylinder frame with a very early Sportster front end. And it was a true <laughs> chopper, California yeah. 60s chopper. Wow. And yeah, so that, you know, that was... For me, the value that's, in a lot of it is is that is seeing yeah, that's history right there. Totally, and it was literally rotting away in the mountains. Wow. You know, yeah the the guy paid another guy like four hundred dollars just to get the thing out because it was you know like a mile and a half off of <laughs> oh. the nearest goat. When path. you have to like cut down trees uh, to get well, to the, you know, it was after the murder, and you know it was kind of cool because yeah. you know it was written in there. It had to have been written in there and then just forgotten. So let me ask you guys, since you both are experienced in this, how do you talk somebody down to a reasonable price? We've already established that usually you're you're upside down getting into it anyway. MAP's in the the airbox. How do you talk somebody down to a reasonable price? You just have to be willing to walk away? Yeah. Or or do you convince them that you will find it its new home? There's a lot of factors to it. That's a big one for sure. It's like, hey, you know, finding how many of us are in the country doing this, right? And you have one of them standing in front of you with money in his hand. So everybody always tells me, well, we'll call the American Pickers. And I say, please do. If if they're willing to come out to your house for one motorcycle or five motorcycles to California or whatever, by all means do. But that's not super realistic um so and the some, truth is i've met them and they're nice they're guys nice guys they're super nice yeah. guys but they drive an incredibly hard bargain because yeah. that's their business 10 mm-hmm. years ago 15 years ago it might have been different but it's a show now so everything's kind of pre-arranged yeah. and right and all that and you know we're i'm dealing with a lot of people that don't have a smartphone don't have internet and that kind of thing too so when they say, okay, email us pictures of everything that you have, that's not going to, you know, that's not going to happen. And But you know what I found in the past? Promising to take care of the bike does count for a huge, huge amount. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. people have very different relationships with motorcycles than they do with their cars. Even if you've got a nice car, even if you've got that 66 Chevelle or, the, you know, the 64 and a half Mustang, you're, you're going to have a relationship with that car, but not like you have with your motorbike. So if we take our old friend, the hippie, 
you know, when he sees that bike, I mean, he might be transported back to a time when he was young and having fun with it and chasing girls. And, you know, the Santa Cruz Mountains were a very different place back then. So rather than just sell it to some clown in a suit who's going to restore it beyond what it is, he wants to see it go to somebody who really appreciates and appreciates the history behind it. Totally. So, yeah, they counts for a great deal. Yeah. So you'd say that more that, often that, it's not about the money, it's more about the plan. The plan and, you know, depending on the bike, depending on what I'm going to do with it, like if I am going to, you know, try to get the thing running, mm-hmm. if that is a possibility, you know, the cool thing is it's like, hey, not only is it going somewhere good, you can watch it. Tune into my YouTube channel. <laughs> You'll see me fire this thing up. And that's cool. That you know, that's a nice connection for people. Another thing you've gotten was it was it the uh, the quad the uh, two stroke quad? Quadzilla. Did you have a Quadzilla? Oh, I have one. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. my personal collection. Yes, you have a Quadzilla. Of course I do. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy. And then you've gotten like CR five hundreds. I do. Right? I I've had a. I have several bikes that I just kind of you end up just doing what you know mm-hmm. type of thing. So CR five hundreds are one of them. I have a real good. Connection in Australia, they're worth quite a bit more money there. So mm. normally, they're, they're, they're that's a good thing. You, that's a good thing you brought up because I mean, you know, your um, I think it's fair to say Mason is considerably younger than I am, um, and you brought up in the Midwest. So these like eighties, nineties dirt bikes were very, very high in your familiarity level. Oh yeah. When I was growing mm. up and I was a young biker, it's all about. Older British stuff. But I do, I also have a 1962 motocross special Greaves. Oh, God. So I'm all over the map. Yeah, you're I, all over I the think map. I, I think I was like, you know, four years old. And my mom was pulling me in the backyard in a red wagon, and I fell out and hit my head. And Yeah, I think that. I don't know what. I time traveled. <laughs> I like stuff from like, you know, 50 years ago to the to the 90s, right. you know. And Jim, do you, do you know what Quadzilla is? No, well, two-stroke quad. Apparently. Tell, tell them what Quadzilla it's a, is. It's a five. They're they're banned. Yeah, no, okay. they're not banned. Three wheelers got outlawed for I a am. while, but yeah. like the Quadzilla, it's a it's a five hundred cc liquid cooled single cylinder two-stroke ATV. <laughs> wow. that I think I think they do like eighty-seven <laughs> yes. miles an hour yeah. stock, Jeez. and mine's not stock. Yeah. It was built by a company called. The motor was done by Trinity Racing back in the nineties. Was it just wow. for that machine? That engine, yeah, that the was engine? yeah, because the RM five hundred was air cooled, which right. the RM five hundred is the one of the big bore two strokes that I have not had yet. Well, they're not that common. I mean, they are they're, not. They, you know, there's plenty of CR five hundreds out there. There's even plenty of KX five hundreds mm-hmm. if you really want to oh, destroy yeah. your foot. Um, but um, <laughs> and and just say yeah. So Quadzilla wasn't like banned, but it's yeah. probably one of the most Feared. It's the, dumbest, fa- it's the fastest production quad. And, and yeah, one it, of the most feared. Was it, were yeah. we, were, yeah. I mean, was it quicker than a Banshee? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, Banshees are pretty Banshees nuts. are awesome in the straight line thing. And the Quadzilla was mainly built for the dunes. Right. So, uh, okay. growing up in the Midwest, we didn't have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things, you know, in the Midwest, it's all Honda 250Rs. 250Rs were the dominant ATV. And it's funny, they only made the 250R for four years, and the same with the the Quadzilla. And these machines are still raced today, and they're still competitive today. Yeah. You know, and I collect three-wheelers, too. I love three-wheelers, the 80s death death machines. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I love death machines. It's it's yeah. I had a CR five hundred engine yeah. in a two fifty R three wheeler. Yeah. Oh just because if you're gonna kill yourself, do it in style. But you know, yeah. the manufacturer will way. come out with a product that's so good at its job, it defies the years. Yeah. If you go to any drag race meet that involves motorcycles anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, there will still even now in 2023, be a handful of bikes running big bore GS engines. Oh, yeah. GS. Triple two strokes. I'm looking yeah. At. They're still they're, racing triple two strokes. They're still because they're big power, they're reliable, and they get the job done. And the, slim, the simplicity of them. You know, I had a ZX14. I, I really enjoyed that. I've had a, all kinds of bikes all across the board, but. Compared to an 80s or 90s, like a CBR 900 or whatever, you can't do a lot with... They're so good out of the box, There's, it's not easy to make them better. Yeah. So, I have found an interesting source. Why, is it like a tomato source? No, it is a <laughs> website. This could be dangerous. Have you heard of barnfinds.com? Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, he knows, right? He knows. Mm. And they have all sorts of things on there, but in the motorcycle category. Okay, read them off. <laughs> i tell you and what. This is interesting. Here's the game. Read them off, and me and Mason will go yay or nay. Right. Well, hold on. Because <laughs> these are, this is kind of interesting. Um, and so basically the site finds them on a, like Craigslist or eBay or whatever, and then mm -hmm. they just populate them on here because they qualify it as a barn find. Oh, cool. So I'm curious if this is a barn find or not. Okay. The first one we have here, a 1988 Yamaha XV250 in the crate. Oh, well, Ooh. yeah. It's, ah. It's, so, ah. What do you do with that? That bike doesn't, is not have a lot of value other than to like a, a new rider. Yeah, bagel. But but doesn't it need to be dirty to be a barn find? Yeah. Well, <laughs> in the crate, that's a whole nother category. When a CR five hundred in the crate show, comes uh, available, like a GB five hundred in the crate, hard to find. They mm -hmm. used to be right. Well, that's because they didn't sell. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, and sometimes like. There's a fair amount of some stuff in crates still, which is weird too. Like, yep. um, so the question is, do you take, do you buy so it and take it out of the? Crate? Do you remember? Do you remember, Liza, when we did um, the zero test rides mm -hmm. at um, the zero uh, factory? No, at Mid Ohio. Um, oh, at Vintage Days. Yeah. At Vintage Days, there was that fella. Oh God, I forget his name. He's Froggy. Froggy. <laughs> Froggy. <laughs> <laughs> You remember? Oh, he, he drugged me around. He yeah. worked at the dealership in the Midwest, and the, upstairs they had RE five in the crate, GS thousand mm -hmm. Wicks Cooley in the crate. It was just an old Suzuki dealership that went back, mm. and all these bikes, GT seven fifty in the crate, yeah. and so on and so <clears> forth. <throat> they've got wow. about thirty bikes in the crate. Um, mm. Upstairs, and that can't be the only bike shop like that. So, oh no! For, as a, for yeah. for a collector, it's interesting. So let me ask you again. No, there's no value in that. Nineteen eighty-eight no XV two hundred and fifty. What do you think they're asking for it on eBay? Twenty-two hundred dollars. Yeah, I was going to say it's Ooh. a two thousand dollar bike. They're asking thirty-five hundred, which barnfind.com says 
And that starting bid, starting bid at thirty five hundred is two hundred dollars over Haggerty's value for this bike. Yeah, well, you can mm-hmm. ask. All right, I got, if, if we're playing the game, well, I got one. Oh yeah, what do you well, got? Well, can I can I just interrupt yeah. for a second yeah, and yeah, answer yeah. your question about about whether if for a bike like that, whether you you uncrate it or yes, keep do it you in the crate? It? That bike you uncrate because it's got no value. <laughs> well. Probably, but but here's here's the the calculus on that that I see is that if that's a bike where you want the experience that unboxing experience and being the first ah, person to ride right. that bike, yeah. then that is going to be priceless for you, and and that is your experience that you're buying for you, and then you will have you'll be the first person to ride that, that bike. That's kind but of like breaking to, the foil on the coffee, right? Yeah. Jaw. But, but if but if you want building crates for vintage bikes, right? <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to, but if you want them to buy that bike in the crate because it's rare and and for its future value, right? Because other people are going to be unboxing the other ones that are in right. the crate still. Then you know maybe that's something that you'd want to do. So you know it all depends on what you're interested. Well, let's in. go back to that bike. Here's the deal, bagel. You can mm-hmm. walk into any Yamaha dealership now. And buy a Yamaha XV250 that is unchanged from that bike. Yeah. Except for the paint. Yeah. Unchanged. Right. In, in, in that case, right. So in that, that case, bike has no value. Yeah. It's a little different because it's not it's not a des- as desirable of a bike. Okay. And not right. as rare. What'd you get, yeah. Jim? Oh, okay. So this is vintage. Oh. Ultra rare. Ooh. Only 298.6 miles. Barn find, a Montessa Scorpion. Scorpion. So here, I'll show you pictures of it. You can check it out. Don't mess with it because you'll see the price. But mm. So 200, <laughs> less than 300 barn, miles. Barn find. Now, it is kind of janky. It's like missing a chain and all that kind of stuff. My God. But it was parked 50 years ago. <laughs> Let me see. Let me, park, My rare, God. Rare. Extra rare. That is crusty. Let me see him. <laughs> extra crusty. Let's see. That is uh, crusty and rusty. Oh. You know what You know what would be Ooh. perfect for that motorcycle? Mm, but, mm. A Spaniard to ride it. Crusty, <laughs> but everything is there, which is it, very important. So stock. That, that bike belongs in, in a restaurant. It's a, it's a wall hanger. It's a wall hanger. It's a perfect wall hanger. Yeah. Yeah. So I, wanted, I think it was 2200 bucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which but is, I, it's never good. It's a long it, way from Realistically, running. it's a $1,200 bike to the right person, that kind of thing. But it would be cool in a Quaker Steak and Lube or a, even yeah. a Spanish restaurant. Right. You know, put a mannequin on and I don't so know. So here's what I find interesting. Going back to barnfind.com, they have a 2012 Honda CBR250R in the crate. <laughs> All right. Are you sure it's not motorcycles in the crate? No, no, no. no, no. They, they need to, I'm just reading the wait. ones that are in the crate. Um, but let's find here. Okay, here. Barn Fresh 1948 Harley Davidson WL. Ooh, let's see what this is going for. And it's in the uh, yellow. Barn Fine. This, uh, oh, it received its yellow paint job in the 1970s. Uh-oh. That's important. Does it run? That's important. Mm-hmm. Um, Is it like an as-found type of thing? Uh, yeah, it's as-found. So this one is on eBay, and it says starting bid at $11,000. I mean, the WL, that's what, oh. seven seven fifty. Yeah, the problem, with the, the problem with WLs. Yeah, it's got a picture been, of a dude been, riding they've it. They've been so coming it's, up. It's, yeah. it's riding. It'll probably sell for fifteen, maybe, if it's rideable. But the thing but is... Did, I think they put barn fresh... To try and, and yeah. make people more of interested course. in it. Because that's a thing. The WL is cool, out. but 
they're just so underpowered that riding them on with modern road stuff, it's like, eh, you know. Yeah, it's collectible. I, it's not yeah. like if it was a knucklehead, it'd be like, you know, add zeros and stuff. So here's what I find is interesting. People are using, you can type in for barn find motorcycle. And, and it's interesting. And I was searching and I found another one, which looked very interesting. I'm just going to flash it. You see the green one at top? Oh, yeah. That that Indian? Chiefy. Chief. Barn find. This is how it says. I'm going to read you exactly how it says the description. Indian barn find chief. Large scale collectible model motorcycle. Oh, it's a model. $39.99. I've got like three of them. It's either the Galoi that's from like the 90s or it's the new Ray, which is like from the 2000s and is plastic. So I'm kind of like, wait a minute. How is this a barn find model? But they put barn find in there because that is now a a catchphrase that draws people in. Um, But then you see some of these other like barn finds and it's like, oh, and this is where, and I just want to like give people the heads up. The missing parts to me is the key. That if it's even worth it at all. Yep. Because even if you're just taking it on as a project to dismantle and 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 try and like rebuild a bike and just have fun and learn on it, missing parts can be the thing that just stops it dead in its track. And every part you bolt on that bike takes it further away from what it was. So yeah, you you want to try and avoid the incomplete ones you, if you can. You know the easy big red flag I think is inside versus outside. If it's been yeah. sitting for right, huge, that's kind of obvious, huge. right? If it's been outside, that, you're and, like that's a hard pass. And in the mountains, tarps tarps oh, kill these bikes. Yeah, oh, it yeah. traps the moisture. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, and slugs. That's you know, yeah. it cooks yeah. it. That's an oh, yep. issue. Bagel, what's this uh, barn find that you found? Yeah, so there is a, uh, a 1931 oh. Harley Davidson DL that's in Everett, Washington. Mm. Yes, you should 80, get it. They went $8,500 for it. <laughs> it says, very rare, 1931 Harley Davidson DL, high compression engine. This is a generator model, three-speed transmission, tank shifter, lots of very rare, very, very rare all original parts, vented buddy seat and windshield. This is a real barn find, this 92-year-old girl. I'm having Meekum flashbacks. It sounds like, <laughs> yeah, a, you know, say that sounds Meekum-y. That now, sounds so Meekum-y. That is yeah. a whole other thing, though. If you watch the Meekum auctions and you see these barn find bikes that come through and they're yeah. going for big dollars. Some of mm-hmm. them are. Right. I got one friend or a grand. Kisses. Yeah. Hang on just Ooh. a second. Uh, this is up, up, up scooters, uh, scooter, uh, Bagels Alley. Oh. Uh, oh a yeah? Honda, a 1969 Honda CM91. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Right. Uh, rare barn find okay. survivor. It looks like it's run. Nice, nice white. Um, oh, you probably can't see my phone from there, but nice. Looks. It looks like it, it ran yeah. at some point. So, but yeah, under well, nine hundred fifty bucks. There you go. Yeah, and and the I remember the CM ninety one is kind of a rare model if if I'm mistake not mistaken. That's what the ad said. Because, <clears throat> yeah, because that was that was the uh, the pumped out version of the the C fifty, I think. Okay, but here's here's a great yeah. great debate to have. If it's rare, does it make it more valuable? Not necessarily. Exactly. Yeah. Because True. what makes it valuable in the first place? How many people want it? How yeah. many people want it? There's exceptions like, you know, the CBX 
was not a popular motorcycle when it was new. Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. now it is. But right. some bikes weren't popular when they were new and they aren't popular still. Yep. And, yep. you know, I was going to say, your obsession lies at the Gorblimey 500. Mm-hmm. Couldn't give those things away when they were new. Yeah. Absolutely a very, but now, of course, people look at yep. them very nostalgically. And CBXs are a great example. As nice also, as they are, they're a deeply flawed motorcycle. Oh, my God. A yes. GS1000, good, rides so much better, or a Z1000. It's it's night and day when you ride them compared to a CBX. But, of course, CBX is so much of a product of its time. And I think, oh, excuse me, and I think that's why people are so nostalgic about them. You know, if you want to travel back to the late 70s, you know, get a bit of su- Donna Summer going on your iPod and, you know, jump on the CBX and you're there, aren't you? So yeah. here's a question slash comment. Y'all. I are. Oh, wait, hold on. This is a decree. I'm making a decree. <laughs> I decree that barn fine bikes mm. will disappear completely Ooh. with the advent of electric. I decree no. there will be no such thing as an electric barn fine bike. Well, no, there can't be. Well, if you wait long enough, mm. we're all going to disappear. <laughs> no, but here's why. Any, any gas motorcycle can be revived as it is if it's intact you can rebuild mm-hmm, anything totally on an electric bike the technology of the batteries is changing so fast that if you have a bike that is 30 years old that you find in a barn you pull it out the batteries at that time are not going to be compatible <clears throat> with it all the electronics are not going to be compatible the weight of it is going to be so out of whack from what will have in 30 years bagel do you do you agree that there will be no such thing as an electric barn fine motorcycle or scooter i i don't think it's going to be the same sort of situation because the the problem is the cost of reviving and and an old decrepit electric bike is going to be significantly higher than reviving the cost the cost of reviving an old uh gasoline bike because you're going to have to if you if you can even if you will it's very unlikely you'll be able to find batteries you can put put in there you'll probably need to make batteries to put in there um now maybe in the future it'll be a lot cheaper to do that maybe there'll be there'll be sort of like retrofit units that will be fit into cases that'll fit into the original bike but i just it's i just don't see that but what about- i just yeah i don't see it as, as don't see that as being a uh uh, there being a really a real uh, demand there because yeah. these are these are older bikes with older technology. The 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 controllers and motor systems are primitive compared to what's being made today. They just aren't going to be as fun to ride, uh, especially the very old electric bikes. Yeah. Now there will be an interest in preserving a few of them for museums, I'm sure, and a few yeah. people are very nostalgic. You know, for the early days of electric motorcycles, there probably will be that those cases, but. But I don't think there's going to be enough demand in the market uh, yeah, <clears throat> to make I, those a valuable thing. There will be collectibles, but not restorations. Yeah. I, I think that electric motorcycles are at about the same level as regular, as gas-powered motorcycles were in the late 1800s, in the early yeah. ni- <clears throat> 1900s. And what do we have now? Sons of Speed, 
you got Billy Lane making parts because mm. they're not available and they're doing it though. So it's hard to say because yeah. I'm sure, you know, in 19, you know, 36, when the knucklehead was out, they were looking at old, these early teen Harleys thinking, yeah. who would ever even want to bother with these bikes? Right. Yeah. And there are people that do like look at wheels True. through time. Mm-hmm. You know the and the and the values at auction are still strong on those, even though the emotional connection's gone. Nobody was nobody's alive now that was a kid in the twenties. You know, but the the values are still crazy, which is a weird thing. Versus like British bikes, where a lot of the owners are aging out, you see values softening up. Because there's just not a lot of, there's just, you know, people not buying them. Oh, I'm glad we kind of got to this subject because I did want to talk about this with Mason. And I kind of thought it was my imagination, but you've seen it as well. And particularly at the last Meekum auction, you know, the British bike market has been softening for quite a few years now. And I've had a couple of bikes, my Trident, my... 68 prototype Trident, which I famously wrecked right there <laughs> on Washington Street. Yes, yes. I was convinced that was a $10,000 bike. And actually, in Australia, it probably would have been Mason. Yeah. Um, but here, I struggled to get six and a half for the, it. The last seven British bikes that I bought, I sent to Australia. Right. So, <laughs> why is this? Why is this? And I've been... And it's... The, really, the answer is very, very simple. Is... We buy bikes and we enjoy bikes because they're nostalgic. They take us back to a time when we were young and we were virile and we had plenty of attraction from the opposite sex and, you know, the music was great. And for the people who rode these British bikes when they were new, now they are in their 70s. And I'm not talking about their early 70s. Oh, yeah. Their mid to late 70s. And riding a bike like that... And living a lifestyle that would include a bike like that. I mean, me and Mason, the last customer we shared was an older gentleman um, who really led an incredibly active lifestyle for his age. A little too active. But paid the price for it. (laughs) Not on the bike, but it affected everything. Yeah. And the people who enjoy these bikes are aging out. Also. Well, it's the same with the toy trains that my dad's toy trains. Yeah. Also, yeah. there's yeah. a huge thing. And Cushman's. And I yeah. talk about this with restoration stuff because Wait, I, I. Did Bagel, did you say you collect cushions? No, no. Cushman scooters. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a whole. There's Cushman scooters oh, is yeah, a whole yeah, yeah, different, right. like, Venn diagram oh, from, okay, like, the, yeah, yeah, the scooter sorry. world. And it's totally aging out now. Yeah. There's, there's memory and then there's reality, and those are not. To, they're not the same. Yeah. Oh, everybody remembers these yep. bikes being better than they were. And, oh, yeah. and we really have to, when it, when it comes time to throw around the R word, restoration stuff, you, it's really hard to, to tell people, like, even restored, even better than do with an electronic ignition, and that these bikes are still going to give you problems. Right. They're not trouble-free bikes no matter what. So let, yep. and, you know, e- eventually we have to we have to leave this subject behind, but the last Black Shadow I did, which was a real Black Shadow, it was a $200,000 bike. That bike left my workshop with 12-volt alternator conversion, electronic ignition, 
replacing the Magneto. French electric starter, Zut Allure. <laughs> um, Ducati dry clutch system. <laughs> so it, so you ruined it, basically. But that's what the owner <laughs> needed. But guess what? Ultimately, it still rode like a 1940s bike. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and that's an important point to make. You can only go so far. If you put an electric start on a Norton Commando so you can start it, it's still going to ride like a fucking Norton Commando because <laughs> yeah. that's what it is. And that is not a bike that is easy to ride. Especially at 80 years old. Right. Yeah. And yep. in, in, in getting down and bending down to tighten up and retorque bolts regularly, you know, unless you have really deep pockets and and even at that, it for like I don't know about for you, but for me it's still like a, a weird feeling when like I had somebody bring me their motorcycle. They wanted me to they wanted to pay me an hour to change the headlight bulb. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't in good conscience charge you right. for this, but you also bug me. You call me almost every single day. <laughs> so I have to get money some like it's So you know. here's how you justify that. And this is it's not so much a secret of the trade, but what you have to do is you have to set a minimum charge for the bike to get pushed around the back into the workshop. Now at Mototown my minimum charge is half an hour. If the bike's going to get pushed onto my ramp, I'm charging you half an hour. But this is what you get for half an hour. Let's say I want my headlight bulb changed. And you're quite right in agreeing. I would be hard-pressed to charge somebody It half just doesn't an hour. feel right. It doesn't feel right. So here's what I do. Look, you know there's a minimum charge here. It's half an hour. Yes. All right. So the bike goes on the ramp. I change the headlight bulb. I air up the tires, I put some lube on the chain, I top off the brake fluid, I check the oil level, and, you know, maybe if I'm feeling particularly generous, I get a voltmeter on the battery and check it's charging. Now it's worth half an hour. And I get my minimum charge, and I sleep well at night, and the customer thinks it's great. Well, it's a great service. But if a bike's going to go around, and in this case of... Mason George motorcycles. If that bike's going around the back of the showroom and on the ramp, it's half an hour minimum. Oh yeah, a lot of bike shops yep. charge an hour. If the, if, yeah. if the bike gets pushed into the workshop, you are one mm. hour's labor rate poor, and whether that's a hundred yeah. bucks, or hundred and fifty bucks, or whatever, two cows yeah. and your firstborn son, a drachma, it doesn't <laughs> matter. You are one hour poorer, and it's. Rather than kind of nickel, no, I'm going to charge you five minutes and out comes the credit card and stuff like that. Right. Half an hour. It's 75 bucks. You know what's coming, but I do what I feel is sufficient. Guess what? The tire come in. There's 20 PSI in the tires. 36.42. It's going to ride out like a million bucks. That's worth a half an hour in itself. Mm -hmm. And if the clown doesn't leave and wrap himself around a lamppost... That's worth millions. Mm -hmm. Well, so, and, and it's and it's also it worth it was. to you as a shop owner to go over all those things to make sure the bike is safe when they give it back to them, so they can't blame you because you didn't see, didn't catch right, it. Right. Well, you know, Motor Town's full disclosure. You can sit at the counter yeah. and watch what I'm doing to your bike, yeah. including peeing in the airbox. Are you out of here, Jim? Jim, you gotta go. Oh, 
I do, yes. Sorry to cut it short, right. but there's crabs, crabs are boiling at the house. So. Oh! Ooh, yes, yes. Anyway, Good seeing, seeing you. you. Yeah, take care. Enjoy. We'll see you yep. soon, I'm sure. Chase, Jim. Hey, Jim. Hey, Jim. Bike nights start this week, first Thursday of the month. There so, you go. Up at my shop. Oh, you didn't invite me. Of course you did. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Right, Come on. Everybody's invited. So, if you're local. So, we Mason. Nice. Well, I'm the Monterey contingent, so yeah. I'm not sure whether that makes me local or not. If somebody wants to, uh, if they have a bike in a barn, do you want them to reach out to you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mason George Motorcycles at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. Uh, Mason George Motorcycles.com. All my contact info's on there. Call me. No bike too far. I buy them all over the country. It just okay. depends on what it is and, and all that good stuff. But, yeah, we try to save as many as we can. All right. Well, um, I wanted to get to some emails real quick because we got some. some yeah. Uh, this first one. Actually, I'm going to give you that one. to Hold on. Okay. All right. So this first one. Uh, this is from. Ooh. I think it's Giles. Giles? Yes, Giles. I uh, says, hey, I am on holiday. That's how you know that they're not American. Yes. Yeah. In sunny Spain and catching up on the misfittery. <laughs> <laughs> I have just finished the episode from the 27th of May and wondered whether the Royal Enfield Bullet could be, could be considered as one of the best-selling thumpers of all time. Oh, I think it probably could. Yeah, that's a good argument. Also very interested in the idea of a combined Chickistan, Thumpistan, would we call it Chumpistan? Yes, we would. Chip next year. Because <laughs> you like, would Ooh. have to be a chump to go on it. Ha ha ha! We may be calling that Chumpistan. I'd love to join. Perhaps you could stop over in my current hometown of Dubai on the way so that we could spend a day riding in the desert and a night visiting the city's watering holes. Oh, I like the sound mm. of that. Now, this is a very good suggestion. I have yeah. done this on some of my trips. I have done a layover in Dubai. If you fly Emirates, it goes to Dubai. And you can do a 24, 48... Fantastic. 72-hour layover at no additional cost. Cool. And going and playing in the desert is pretty fun. Right. Um, that is a great idea. He says, finally, uh, having been given inspiration from last year, please find a couple of photos of my bikes with my number one accessory, the milk crate. That's right. He's put the milk <laughs> crate on his bike. You guys are smashing. Yes. Thanks for the making life better than it was without you. Hope you had a great time on your rally. Not yet. Looking forward to hearing about it. Yep, he loves the milk crate. What on the an bus. absolute smasher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what kind of bike is it? <laughs> is it an MT07? I think it's an oh, MT07 okay. with a friggin' milk crate I on thought, the back. I thought for sure it was going to be a KLR. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I love it. Chumpistan is a great idea. It really is. And remind me, before we say goodbye today, we're, we are plugging my trips. Tra-la-la. Do it right now. Okay, so we're plugging my trips. Where's Emma going in 2023? Well, I shall tell you. Um, we are doing the Misfits training tour, which is in um, Germany and Italy. That one, I believe, has one spot left. We're doing the Castles and Curves training tour in Austria and Germany. That one has spaces left, so both of those trips can be found on Leoda Escapes. Um, the uh, uh, L-E-O-D. L-E-O-D. The com. Dolomites training trip starts on the 6th of July, 
and I the castles and curves. I think that one is booked. It's the yeah, castles and curves. But the castles and curves starts immediately afterwards, I believe on the 15th. He's been showing me some of the castles he's finding. You guys are staying in castles. No, I know that. Like, it's legit. You're staying in castles. I shall be coming home wearing a suit of armor. Um, and don't forget, in November, I am taking you all on a tour to Vietnam. Yeah. How about that? So um, that one you can find on Big Sur Motorcycle Adventures. Okay. Um, so anyway, that's my plug-in for my trip 2023 trips. All right. Um, yep. So I have, um, I have an email here that's clearly written by an escapee from a lunatic asylum. <laughs> and it's titled, Emma is Wrong. Oh. And it's from Patrick from New Jersey. Patty. Yeah, yeah, Patty. So, I have just realized that even the great Emma is not completely infallible. Ooh. In the time Ooh. of 90s sport bikes, I submit that the ZX7R Ninja is a more gorgeous bike than the RF900. Ooh. Iconic Fox Eye headlights and unmistakable side intake runners make it look great in every color, even Mama, I'm Scared Yellow. <laughs> a comfy bike with a great booty and was a legend in both of its day and today. You know, not to say that the ARF is not a belter, but to say it's the best, well, that's babbling from the sickbed. <laughs> Paddy from N New Jersey. No, Paddy, I love you. You know I love you, and I know you've been listening to the show for a very long time. But this letter represents three paragraphs of complete verbal diarrhea, <laughs> and I intend to wipe my bottom with it after oh. the show. <laughs> Shots fired. Bagel, do you have yes. one there to read? I do. <laughs> from Chris Kittermore. <laughs> Is this one of your accents? from New Zealand. Struth, mate! <laughs> Just finished listening to your podcast 515. Quite a good one. It's no one seemed wanted to agree on any opinions. A couple of things. Best looking bike, in my opinion, has to be the Yamaha YZF R7 OW02. Yes, that R7. No. And what do you know? It's from the golden age of the 90s. Reference to Emma. Wait, R7 is brand new. Is no, 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 oh, no. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. like Australia, yeah, he's talking about the old, old one. one. Okay. And, you know, a fine-looking bike, a fine-looking mm -hmm. bike, but, you know, just nonsense, complete nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> so, 90s sport bikes, yeah. My one of my favorites, and it's part of my childhood, 95 CBR 900 double R in purple, but yes. it had this green and the green front wheel. And it's only one of my favorites because there was a local guy, Kevin Marino from the Starboys, could ride a wheelie at 130 miles an hour on one of those things. <laughs> and oh. like it was like that was like when I was a kid watching him at the drag strip. And I've kind of wanted one ever since. And there I've had go. a bunch hey. of 900 double R's, but <clears throat> never the purple one. And mine is still the GPZs. Oh, oh yeah. I, I lost the GPZ <laughs> in the fire. Yeah. GPZ. Right. You got more email there. Yes. Uh, second of all, the riders, bikes, drivers discussion. Does leaning or not le does leaning or not leaning constitute a rider? A Yamaha Nikin is a rider despite having two wheels at the front as it leans. Mm -hmm. Do do you call a Can Am Spider owner a rider or driver? Oh, a if you're a driver, if you if you were a complete idiot, technically you maybe you could maybe modify a Can Am to put a steering wheel <laughs> instead of handlebars. <laughs> The front wheels sort of turn like a car. 
Would will that then make you a driver? Yes, oh. it has a motorcycle engine, reference Rotax twin like the RSV five hundred. So does the T Rex. Keep up the good stuff. Cheers, Chris. Mm. Thanks, Chris. Oh, that's the R seven. He sent a picture. Yeah, yeah. And, on, and a good looking bike. Um, um, Mason, mm-hmm. are you a biker or a rider? I, I don't even know. <laughs> I yeah, I don't. I really don't know how to. You don't the, lean one way or the other. Those uh, the three wheeled stuff that that's all fair weather snowmobiles to me. Can Ams, all that right. stuff. It's not even. <laughs> and and I think that I got ruined on those because when I worked in Hollywood, every rapper and professional athlete would buy those things because they weren't allowed to ride motorcycles under contract, mm-hmm. and it was just oh, no. You know, dealing with those, like trying to take people for a test ride in Hollywood, in Hollywood traffic. I'm like, so it's all the disadvantages of a motorcycle and all the disadvantages of a car. Yeah. (laughs) What do you consider yourself? Are you a biker or are you a rider? I'm a motorcycle enthusiast. Mm, I ride. I ride. I collect. (laughs) I live. I I have a motorcycle in my living room okay. like i don't know it's you just avoid a life controversy. thing it's all right i don't it's I, okay it's i didn't even right. know there was a controversy about this <laughs> uh, no, there's only n- a controversy because she's making it's one i have a hard enough time like we've talked about before with the the people that are so into the brands and then i'll roll up on a harley and they'll like think that you know i'm only into harleys or bmws or whatever and it's like no i, I like them all like mm-hmm. you don't have to pick one it's not a spouse like, you can do whatever you want. They're all awesome. All right. I have one here from John. Hello, John A. says, hiya, misfits. I'm contacting you from Portland, Maine. Yes, the real Portland. Oh, yeah. That's the other side of the country. Yeah, that's right. Right. I wanted to start by telling you that you are all rock stars, and I really enjoy your work. Aww. That said, I have about 498 shows to catch up on. Yep, I'm a freshly new to your podcast. I was wondering if you have ever given advice about how to start a garage like the one you have in sunny Santa Cruz. In addition, what's the best way to become a good home mechanic slash technician, if even that's possible from a professional standpoint? Again, love your work, and hopefully this is something you can uh, uh, comment on. Until then, be well, and if you should ever find yourself in Maine, drop me a line. As always, ride to smell the flowers, or in my case, the pine trees. So in order to be a good home mechanic um you need a good grounding in math you need a good grounding in physics you need to be able to sit down and figure out what does what you really Mm got to get back to basics you have to be able to work cleanly um and set up a clean space for you and above all else be patient not just with the bike but with yourself over the years, I mean, I've I realized I've been doing this now for forty five years. I've been a, I've been a wrench, and I've seen a lot of people come and go in the industry, and I've I've seen a lot of people who talk the talk but don't walk the walk, and I've seen a lot of mechanics who initially I thought were great wrenches. And then the first time something went wrong, they'd get really angry and start yelling and start smacking up the bench. And you simply can't be like that. Mm-hmm. Just be very, very patient. And very patient with yourself, not just the bike. There's, there's a lot of information you need to take on board. Um, start with a smaller bike. Take it apart. 
put it back together. And I was going to say, figure it out. To become a good mechanic, there's the things you learn that aren't in the books. Right. Like dealing with a stripped bolt. Right. Right. Or, you know, stuck, stuck something. These are the tricks. And this is what we teach in the garage. We teach how to use tools and we teach the tricks because these are things that aren't in the manual. You know, you take a, and I personally feel the best way to learn is to get an old Honda and just start taking it apart and see how these things work, especially if it's something with points and a carburetor. I was very, very lucky because from the very first day I picked up a wrench professionally in 1978 to even now when I'm working in my shop, it's flat rate. I work to flat rate. I've never had a salary. I have always worked to flat rate. So I learned how to hustle early. And if you're if you're taking apart an engine and you strip a bolt and you're on flat rate, now you're losing money. He said home mechanic. I don't right, know even, but even the and same applies to a home mechanic. Flat rate only applies to newer bikes. There's there's no flat rate once a bike's ten no, years old. No, but what I'm saying is it's that's why right. we have this garage because yes. people get frustrated and they don't know that. A slightly different screwdriver may be all the difference. Right. Or putting a pipe on the end of your wrench gives you that but leverage. But I think, I think the point I'm trying to make mm-hmm. is what it taught me is if something goes wrong, there is no point in running around like a headless chicken and going, oh, God, oh, God. Mm-hmm. You've just got to write. How can I fix this right now and get on with a larger task? And it's, you know, it's... It's a great way to start. Get a smaller bike, get a workshop manual. You don't need to get a genuine one because when you buy the genuine workshop manuals, it's talking in language that you need yes. to be a mechanic to a understand. Exactly. Get a climber, get a Haynes, get a workshop manual for the home mechanic and get to work mm-hmm. and just figure out how things work. Stay clean, stay patient. Yeah, and sometimes it's like, how do I get a wrench in there at that angle? Right, and that's when you start asking around, or you go to, uh, you know, talk to YouTube. maybe even a Harbor Freight or somewhere, YouTube University. You, yeah, and they'll you learn about like, oh, you can get a, you reduce it down to a quarter, and then you put a knuckle on it, and then you can, you know, get this uh, this forty five <clears throat> degree, and da 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 da, and like, oh, that's how they get in there. And sometimes it's building a tool. So it goes back with, um, yes, have I told people how to start the garage? I've told people the trick is open your doors, put out some chairs, and be willing to learn along with everybody else. But the thing is, I've opened up my garage, my tools, uh, I mean, I'm generous to a fault, um, but I'm not worried about things being stolen. I don't worry about that. More things are given to me right. than, than go missing or I broken. was going to say, theft, surprisingly, is never something we've dealt with. But... What people want is they want to build a community like we have built, and that took me years. Oh, yeah. Years of me committing every Sunday of sitting out there if somebody showed up or not. And for many years, it was maybe one other person, then two, then three, right? then four, and it's slowly built. And then you get a day like today, and it's just hopping every Sunday out here, and it's fun. But it took me years of committing. Right. To being out there every Sunday. Isn't that just everything in life? Yeah, and I mean, that's largely true. So that's how you do it. I know. You make a a commitment. A ton of people that they're like, oh man, your YouTube channel, this and that. And I started one, but it just didn't take off. And I go, well, how many videos did you make? Three. Right. I'm like, well, there you go. You've, You've got to put in the time. And so from my point of view, I go to work on Monday. I work every day through to Friday. 
don't do Saturdays like you, but I do other things on Saturdays. You know, I, I cook out at the shelter and, you know, do my Saturday things. And I might have had a hell of a bad week where I'm just tired. I've had a couple of tricky bikes. But I come here every Sunday and I make a commitment to this place every Sunday because that's what it takes. Yeah. To, to build a successful community. And I know other people yeah. have done, like it was Tuesday night, build night, where you get one bike and everybody's working on that bike together. There's a lot of different ways you can do it. Yeah. And sometimes it's just opening it up and in, in the case of here, making tools and resources available. Yeah, Bagel? And, and put out chairs. And put out chairs. That's yeah. the number one thing. Put <laughs> out the chairs and they will stay. Um, We have time for one more. Emma, you have one and I'm going to beg that you make it a short answer and this will be hard for you <laughs> tell me why tell me why we have whitworth sae and metric tools are there any others out there chris comley sent from my iphone oh god yeah there's ton. this cycle there's this there's this um there is uh um an it's simply time it's it's as mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if we look at a motorcycle from the 1930s it's a very different animal to the 1960s and it's a that in itself is a very different animal to the ones that are made now when we look at whitworth cycle sae metric the nuts and bolts the very things that hold the bikes together it's a linear development just as the bikes are themselves the bikes are different the things that hold them together different the tools we need to take them apart are different that's a very, very quick answer to a very complex question. It's regional in many places. If you go back mm-hmm. older, like restoring homes, right? Right. Like 200-year-old yeah, homes. there's real two-by-fours. Well, not just that, but <laughs> what I'm saying is, like you, on some old lock sets, it was the company locally that made their own tooling, that made their things, and nothing else fits. Right. It's not yeah. the same. And so you can go back in time fasteners weren't traditional they were made locally by a blacksmith or machine shop and they they probably made made the tool to to take them apart and even still we are seeing this in a different way we see this especially myself in the hardware stores that a chinese factory is making something not quite to spec they're copying something a fastener yes but it's not quite to spec because their factory is a little off, which means the tools don't fit just right. The machining doesn't fit just right. I see it all the time. Somebody comes in with a six millimeter screw, but it's a little smaller than mm-hmm. the six millimeters on the, that we're selling in the in the drawers. I sell you a six millimeter. It's not going to fit in that hole. You're going to have to tap it out because <laughs> that factory did not get it just right. So. Yeah, it's just kind of interesting that it's still happening to that day that they're not exactly all the same. Yep. But that was, I mean, that is a good question. Why was there a need for Whitworth at that time? Because that's what there was. That's what there was. The yeah, time. It, it wasn't an option. Yeah. It wasn't like metric or Whitworth. It's like what they had. I yeah. Think the the bigger thing that people are, I, I, I can't believe people don't really point this out. I sell fasteners. We have the metric and the American section. Which one is more common in the world? Now I'd say in 2023 metric. The fact that Americans are hanging on to American Mm -hmm. when almost everything has gone to metric. Why are we still hanging on? Well, I mean, why do we have to have 
a whole different <laughs> set of tools and fasteners. America. I think that well, trying to convert would it would be extremely cost costly. That's and not true. I mean, there thing. are there are Ford or Chevy vans with metric in them. It yeah, just depends, yeah. you know. Why are we hanging on? So there's the question. Why are there multiple? Well, why are we still have multiples? And how common is American in the rest of the world? Not very. Nope. Yeah. So I've just found that interesting. And some bikes have both. <laughs> yeah. Or tr- yep. cars. Like Polaris's. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The chassis, wow. some of them are, would have standard. And then oh, you, the, the engine's <laughs> Rotax. So all of a right. sudden it's like. Is that what is that? You know, metric. But, yeah, yeah. And like the Ford Mach Two Mustang was that way too. Well, and 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 we're talking about like external, like hex. We're not even talking about Allen or Torx. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. Well, and there's a there's a new one we we ran into the other day. It was like a Phillips screwdriver, but with a twist, and it was inside a switch right next to a bunch of other Phillips screws. We're hmm. like, we're like, what in that? And it was on a Triumph. Triumph Tiger oh, 800. No, I'll tell you exactly that what that is. Screw? That's that's a tamper-proof screw. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's tamper-proof. It means screw. you're not meant to get in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But guess what I tool. did? I got in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you find what you were looking for? Absolutely. There you go. Nice. Well, Mason, I want to thank you for coming and, and joining us and sharing some of your Absolutely. stories. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, enjoy, I enjoy your, your YouTube channel. Make sure you go to Mason George Motorcycles on YouTube. Y'all. And you can see what he's up to out of his little mountain yeah. shop. It's amazing the things that you're finding and sending back out into the world. We're saving them one bike at a time, trying to at least. I think both you and Emma are those those suckers who don't say no. Yeah. Well, no, you know, I mean, no, I've, in, I've, I've, you say I've, you'll take in any bike, and and it's. I'm glad you guys are here because these bikes need somebody to help save them. You yeah. and there's so many people who won't. I've touch seen them. I've seen Mason say no while I've been there, and I've said no yes. plenty of times oh, as well. But, there are plenty of bikes to say no to. <laughs> yeah, there, sometimes you have to just yeah. no. We yeah. I, we, I said no to a scooter yesterday, as a matter of fact. Really? ET4 for sale for 800 bucks. Sounds like a great deal. Got up there. The throttle is completely rusted shut. The front brake oh. lever could barely pull in. The motor, just no electricity to anything, even though I put a jumper on it. Yeah. Okay. It was well, good a, it for was you. a case. Bagel, we both <laughs> said no to scooters. Look yesterday. at us maturing. Well, I said n- <laughs> not to. Growing up is hard. So, uh, Mason, congratulations on uh, on your new kid. Who's yeah. Great. Thank you. Who Thank is you. three weeks out? Yeah, yeah. Coming soon. A few weeks. Yeah. Speaking of uh, right. soon, uh, if anyone's local that listens, we do a bike night yeah, once a yeah. month. Back to the community thing because I really appreciate what you guys do down here. And part of me opening my shop was also community thing. So we do first Thursday of the month, we do a bike night. What time? Between five and six, we meet at the shop and then we ride to a local restaurant, different ones for food and drinks. That sounds kind of cool. And we get, yeah, the different different restaurants will sponsor it. So Whale City and Davenport sponsors it sometimes, the Brookdale Lodge. So they do a taco deal for us. And it's a good way to meet other people in the okay, area. Okay, I might ride. come. All right. Yeah, twist your arm. It's a, it's a lot <laughs> Wait, of fun. Like, you didn't say that there was food involved. And our, oh, our motto tacos, is come on. live to ride, ride to eat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Um, time to wrap up. Yes. Uh, 
We're, we're back in the saddle. Things okay. are moving out here. We wrap this up in a very certain way, Mason. You're going to figure it out. You don't mm-hmm. need instruction for this. But first, I start by thanking everybody. Especially our Patreon subscribers who are easily the finest human beings You've been on answering the planet. your Ask Miss Emma's this I, week. I have. I have a new one come in about a sickly Dura's 400, which yeah. I shall get to. But yeah, yeah. you know... Um, one of the perks of being a $10 a month Patreon subscriber is an Ask Miss Emma. And if you have been living in the cave for the last decade and you don't know what Ask Miss Emma is, you can send your motorcycle or relationships problems <laughs> to me and I'll straighten you out. Yeah. You have direct access to Emma to ask her your questions and she does her best to answer them. You spend a lot of time and go into great detail. I have saved a lot lot of bikes through Ask Miss Emma. I appreciate that. And it's not a one-shot deal. You can't, you don't just ask me one question and go on your merry way. Um, If you are having a persistent problem, we'll we'll get through it. I will get you through it. There you go. Unfettered access to Miss Emma. It's a big deal. So thank you, Patreon subscribers. Thank you to all of our listeners. And uh, once again, I'm going to ask Kate, uh, if you don't mind, if you haven't yet, leave us a review at uh, Apple Music or wherever you're listening, uh, Stitcher, wherever. Leave a review. It helps other people find us. We want to get the word out. Yes. So thank you again also, Mason, for coming down. Let's get out of here. Thank you, everybody. This is Liza. And this is Miss Emma Darling. Mason George. Mm, bagel. And we are out of here. Cool. 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 cool.